Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. You can find all our previous episodes on animationforadults.com, or you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on podcast.com. And I'm Chris, and I am joined, as always, Dan's here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Chris. How's it How going? Doing? I'm very I'm well. Like, Look, you first. First <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Rachel's here. Hi, Rachel. You, as you may have just heard. <laughs> What's up? How's it going? I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm very well, thank you. And Yvonne. Hello. Hello, Yvonne. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, oh, things are good. Things are good. <laughs> Busy. Okay, and this is episode 14 of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And if you haven't heard episode 13, it was quite uh, it was different episode to normal because uh, it was an interview me and Yvonne did with Brian Austin from the Animation Project. Which is, yeah. Which we think it's a pretty interesting listen and you should go and have a listen to that if you haven't done it. It was it was it was really great. You um it was really really fascinating to hear about what what Tab's all about and how it's about well, you know, obviously a lot more than just getting, you know, people to make animated films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. We're planning to follow that up with, like, another episode about uh, animation as community outreach type thing in the near future as well. But, um, yes, listen to nice. that one. Yeah, it's it's great to hear um, Brian talk about TAP. <laughs> it really is. Yes. Um, this week uh, we're going to do our normal discussion of um, animation news and stuff, including lots of stuff that's come out of the New York Comic Con, which is happening as we speak, still, just about. Um, it's the last day today. Um, yeah, we're going to, uh, later we're also going to talk some video game stuff, and we're going to talk about animation and games and how it's changed, and also just some general game stuff that we feel like talking about because we think that most of you probably play games and we also think that games and animation are connected very closely. Definitely. Because it's all animation. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sprites, polygons, you name it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a big part of games is the animation. So we will talk about that in a little while. But before we do that, say, Dan, you... You like listening to things with your ears, such as podcasts, etc. <laughs> do you not? Would you say? Yeah, I do. All, pretty much all the time. <laughs> what if I was to tell you that you could get listen to some stuff with your ears for free and also support your favourite podcast slash website at the same time? No. I tell you you are mad and I get you sectioned. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's that, crazy talk. That, Does that, such a thing ever exist? <laughs> Rachel, what if I would tell you that same question, except you could get two bits of audio stuff for free and also uh, support your favorite website slash podcast? Where would I find that? You could find that. <laughs> you could find that on... Uh, uh, if you go to the post on animationfanouts.com that you are listening to this on, if you are listening to it on the website you will find some links there to audible uh 
co.uk and audible.com and if you sign up for a free trial you can get a free audiobook or two free audiobooks for in the case of American listeners and you don't have to stay a subscriber you can cancel any time but you'll also be helping us out at the same time which very nice by yeah. golly I'll check that out don't, don't you do it because <laughs> you're an employee of of animationfreedups.com but they probably wouldn't I was, like that. I was trying to roll with it yeah I know we were doing a bit yeah <laughs> Hey, for a completely unrehearsed that was that was pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah, improvisation acting on everyone's part. I think. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That that concludes our commercial for today. (laughs) Although you will also find Amazon links that you can uh, order through and help us out at the same time if you're going to Amazon anyway. Anything you order through that, even if you're not ordering that exact thing, and also there is, there are also if you fancy sending us a little tip, there's also donation buttons, which I feel all, feel awkward mentioning, but they're there. Um, yeah. <laughs> In case anyone cares to throw money at us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that concludes the commercial part of our presentation. And we shall go on to some animation news. All right, what's going on? Well, there's some news from Pixar this week, uh, which is that they have announced the release dates for their upcoming slate. The films that were released, that were confirmed at D23, uh, now have more firm release dates. Um, We know that next is... Good Dinosaurs coming out uh, November 25th in uh, America and a bit later in the UK um, and then Finding Dory is coming out next year I'm really excited for that one June yeah. 27 no June 17th 2016 and then a year later is Cars Free uh, June, <laughs> June, June 16 2017 but Coco their, um, their Day of the Dead movie is coming out November 22nd, 2017. So, it's almost like they're saying, yeah, we know, Cars Free, but we've got an original film coming out the same year. <laughs> well, it's like they're saying that to the, to the, to the shareholders <laughs> more than anyone. It's like, you know that thing that makes shit loads of money and does really well? We'll do that. And then, please, can we just do another original one, please? <laughs> please. <laughs> Uh, and then Toy Story 4, which was going to come out in 2017, is coming out in 2018 instead. Uh, so Cars 3 and Toy Story 4 have swapped. So okay. you have well, to wait. It's, if it's Toy Story, I want them taking as much time as possible on that because you don't you don't mess around with Toy Story. Nope. <laughs> the one thing that like actually kind of interests me now about the Toy Story 4 thing is it's probably going to be around Bonnie, right? Bo Peep. No. Oh, 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 Bonnie. The little yeah. Girl. I suppose. So that's what they're all living with her, right? Mm. All, all yeah, the toys so are, are living with her. It's kind of interesting to see how her life plays into it. Right. Yeah. Different angle. <laughs> well, we've been seeing, um, I don't know if you've, any of you have seen the um, the Toy Story shorts that have come out um, since Toy Story 3, but uh, we've seen snippets of that. But yeah, seeing more of that, you know, getting a bit more of a focus, I think, would be interesting. Hey, hey, mm-hmm. do you think we'll get more Totoro? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I hope so. 
is let but we're also gonna there's there's gonna be more major in the world as well. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's a cool, cool thing to do. You don't have to watch it. What's he gonna do next, guys? What's he gonna do next? Is he gonna drive off a cliff? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Dan. <laughs> he's he's going to explain how the cars world works, so that Dan will be satisfied. <laughs> yeah. How? Who made those? frames who made them <laughs> did you used to watch like when you were a kid did you used to watch like thomas the tank engine and go i don't understand how are these to- trains talking well there was no i did not have right well there was the fat controller and he was like a a, a god figure kind of mediating <laughs> the island of was it Sodor or Sodor? <laughs> so it didn't really feel like it was violating much. I kind of trusted him. Like he knew what was going on. He he was happy because the trains were running more or less on time, and you know the passengers were getting on, and and you know the trains were getting changed onto the right tracks. So I was fine with that. <laughs> Cars land just really creeps me out. Like, where did the humans go? <laughs> it's just, it really that sounds bad. actually like a horror movie waiting to happen. Exactly. Yeah. That's Precisely. like one of those like who was Casper before he died? <laughs> oh my god! Well, the ninety the uh, the nineties movie <laughs> actually went there. Do you remember? Oh that? no! Yes, I, yeah, it was like oh yeah, he went out one day and he. It was, it's so grim. It was like he went out one day oh. sledding. He got pneumonia and then. Oh, and then died. Yeah, it's, uh, no, uh, no, 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 Yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh. Yeah, and, you know, it was just like. It was a very different time in the just 90s. Just silence, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's That's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just slipped away quietly and then came back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no one yeah. Trying to provide uh, logic to oh. And Incredibles 2 is coming out in 2019. That is the time. Nice. People are excited about it, isn't it? That's a long way away. Well... <laughs> I per- if you want to ask my personal opinion, I, out of all of the Pixar movies that needed a sequel, was perfectly set up for a sequel, it was The Incredibles. Yeah. I'd argue the opposite. I mean, it does seem obviously set up for a sequel. I think it's... <laughs> the reason it's such a good movie is because it has a really good conclusion. And, you know, the joke at the end is when the underminer appears, the family know exactly what to do, and you're kind of... Emotionally, what's being said there is there's nothing they can't handle. Mm-hmm. That's so, true, yeah, I get that. So anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, actually, kind of half-related news is... Um, so everyone knows that the Iron Giant Signature Edition was in um, US cinemas for like two days. Mm-hmm. Even two days. It I tried was, to it was, get it. It was in two it. days. It was like one Wednesday and then the following uh, Sunday. 
anyway, it's now available for streaming. Um, oh. On Google, Seriously? iTunes, yeah, and Amazon. And I th- and I checked, and I think it's available in the UK. But I'm, not sh- I'm not sure because I checked the running time of the signature edition, and that's one hour thirty minutes. But the advertised running time on the iTunes UK download is one hour twenty six minutes. So I'm not sure if it's a signature edition. It is in fact an uh, actual proper HD edition at least. Hmm. Well, supposedly the Blu-ray is is going to happen. It has been, I think, confirmed now. So that's probably going to be the better thing because. Uh, well. Did, well, yeah, yeah, exactly, because of the feature, the special features, but, but, um, but also wow. digital copies are, um, kind of slightly lower quality than Blu-ray still. Mm-hmm. Blu-ray is still the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and also in the Disney side of things is they have released the first, like, official image from Moana, which is coming out next year, uh, next November. Um, and they've also cast the lead, who will be the new Disney princess. Um, oh, did anyone watch that video? I w- watched a bit of it. Which one? It was so cute. It was... Um, oh, no, I think I watched all of it, actually, yeah. Yeah, it was basically... They were just, like, doing a little interview with the um, with the girl who's who's voicing Moana. And they, they played... Um, the video conference uh, clip where she was told that she got the part. <laughs> I was. It was just like a, a. You know, it was a. It was a cool little video where um. She was being. Uh, ru- she was running through some lines with um. With the directors and the producer, and they were like, "So now we want you to react as if uh, we want you to react to this. Uh, you know, as if we're we're telling you that you got the part." And then she's like, "What?" And they're like, "Well, because that's what's happening. You got the part." And yeah, it was quite sweet. It was quite sweet. Yes, and they've cast an unknown fourteen-year-old from Hawaii. Um, and there was a bit of we we have mentioned it before about how you know they have to be a bit careful with the cultural elements of this, and we hope that they handled them well. Mm-hmm. And I think now this is where my ignorance comes in. It's it's set in Polynesia. Um, okay. And she's Hawaiian, so it's South Pacific. Do they yeah, get I close. Think, <laughs> I I th- I think that's the idea, right? That it's uh, yeah, it's South Pacific, and kind of the benefit of that is that you can't say, oh, that's not exactly how people behave from that region because. There are lots of islands, and it's slightly... Is that right? It's And, and you know. The Rock, he's from Hawaii, isn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. as he now likes to be known. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah and he's playing a tattoo demigod. <laughs> so uh, he's playing himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone always says. He's playing a tattooed demigod. Oh, okay. It's, real, yeah. it's a real stretch for him. <laughs> He's going to sing. Oh, no. No. Really? Tell, please, no. Uh, he I, bet he sing. 
I bet he could do I know it. he can lip sync. Awesome. I've seen him on the lip sync battle. He was fantastic, but I'm holding my breath when it comes to the actual singing. They they don't do what they used to do uh, anymore, do they? Where where um where the leads had a singing voice and they had a like a dialogue voice. Mm. Yeah, I think the last time they did that was like what is it, Aladdin? I think they might have done that. I'm I'm trying to remember. If it was was Aladdin that was like that, or which other Disney films did that where they had you know like I said they was one. Yeah, did they even do that for um, Princess and the Frog, maybe? <clears throat> no. Uh, I don't think so. Don't okay. think so. Lion King was not, was it? I, well, definitely not with, um, like, Jeremy Irons. And, um, yeah, um, no. I think, yeah, I think, mine, I think Jeremy Irons tried, out, but right. I think they switched it out with, um, oh, it was, uh, God, his name's not coming to me, which is a shame because he's like, Jim Cummings. They switched him out with Jim Cummings at uh, different points in uh, the Be Prepared song. Oh, did they? I did yeah. not know that. Well, it, it's, oh. if, if, it, if it wasn't Jim Cummings, it was a. It sounded very much like him. Yeah, I did not know that. Okay, and another bit of news is that Wes Anderson is making another stop motion animated movie about cool. about dogs. Apparently, <laughs> that's that about all that's been released oh, so yeah, far right. about dogs and like Fantastic Mr. Fox the actual animation's going to be done in the UK um Whee! yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the um I imagine it'll be the same people making the puppets um McKinnon and McKin- McKinnon and Saunders is that uh probably yes yeah it's it's a good place to the talents here and waiting I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that he's decided to do that because he must, or I imagine it's it, it's because he's very very passionate about stop motion. Because I think um, Fantastic Mr. Fox actually costs more money than Grand Budapest Hotel huh. um, to make. So that kind of leads me to. I uh, think, oh, he's not really making this as a as a pot boiler. It's like he's really passionate about stop motion, and it's not he's not doing it because it's cheaper in any way. Well, I mean, right. that goes along with his whole aesthetic, anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, he's... yeah, he's, yeah, he's... <laughs> yeah. The Grand Budapest Hotel was his biggest success ever. Um, yeah, it did yeah, it did great, didn't it? Yeah, it made a lot of money. And mm-hmm. also, it was nominated for a lot of awards. So, yeah, he's. It was probably. He could pretty much do what he wanted after that. And what he chose to do is he's doing another stop motion. So that's <laughs> awesome. Um, and it's interesting coming off the same time, at, you know, coming off the back of Anomalisa being made by um, Charlie Kaufman. Um, <laughs> what you've been saying, Dan, about um, people having a bit of a. Like they've got like the attitude. Oh well, it's a proper filmmaker making animation, not <laughs> just not just some animator. Um, I I kind of understand what you mean because I've been listening to people talking uh, like the reviews mm-hmm. of Anomalisa coming out of Fantastic Fest, mm-hmm. and like people are saying, oh yeah, and it's I, I think it could be a best picture contender and stuff. And yeah, know, exactly. 
So, so I really didn't. I, I, you know, I, I was worried about behaving that way about it because it's a really snotty like approach to a film I haven't even bloody seen yet. But I was aware that that was going to be coming, and I'm glad that you kind of know what I mean now a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Why, why can't it just be like nominated as an animation? Yeah. yeah well, well, it's interesting because at the same time people have also said, oh, Inside Out, Inside Out should be a best picture contender. And it would be quite annoying, I think, for, you know, animation people uh, mm-hmm. if, if like, an animation film by a non-animator, well, it's co-directed by a non-animator, um, would be the one, you know, to do it. <laughs> mm. Right. Like, well, as it, as it happens, I don't think Anomalies really sounds like best picture material mm-hmm. um, not because yeah. it's not, not because it's mm. probably not a good movie but there are certain movies that win best picture and from the sound of it that does not strike me as a contender see I'm going uh, to go see it on Tuesday so we'll see yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> I mean yeah I'm really excited to hear about about it I don't think it's out in the UK it's not at the London Film Festival no. Um, which is a shame, um, and it's probably not out in the UK until its general release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this might be um, industry preview. I'm not sure. Not sure about that, but but anyway, mm. yeah, we'll see. Like, see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, I mean, it comes it comes from a sensibility of stop motion. Um, at mm-hmm. is it Starburns? Um, you know, uh, the guy who uh, co-directed the movie, Duke Johnson, he works on Moral Oral, uh, which is a really atypical like stop-motion um, series uh, made on made, made for Adult Swim. And it has the appearance of being this really cutesy, like, um, learn a lesson sort of story you know, series, mm-hmm. but it gets into really dark and quite like sophisticated drama, really. So it's not a total surprise that they would be the studio producing, uh, you know, producing the animation for this movie. Uh, incidentally, check out Moral Oil if you can. It's not fun. <laughs> it's astonishing, <laughs> really good work, but it's not fun. I promise you, it's the most depressing. Um, That's great. You know, it's so funny because I don't think. Oh, it's it. It rings a bell like when I look at the images, but I don't. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. not like coming back to me. So I may have just seen a little tiny part of it. Right. Yeah, I'll check that out first before I go see the movie. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the UK and also um, McKinnon and Saunders. Uh, the Manchester Animation Festival has revealed its lineup, and things that are happening include a presentation on the remade Danger Mouse from people from Boulder Media are coming over from Ireland to talk about it, and there is also going to be um, Brian Cosgrove from Cosgrove Hall, who is the co-creator of Danger Mouse, is going to be given the first Fellowship Award there. Very cool. Uh, and 
McKinnon and Saunders, uh, so a guy from that, is going to come over and do a do a masterclass. And Tom Moore is going to be there, as we've already mentioned. And also, that is where the, I think the first UK showing of the Prophet is happening. So nice. Sounds like a great festival. When Ooh. when when are the dates? Uh, it's like November seventh, like sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, it looks pre- looks pretty awesome. But um, one more story about the UK is that Dragon Ball Z Resurrection, or as we'd call it in the UK, I suppose, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection <laughs> F, um, has done really well in the UK box office because they got extended from a one-day run uh, to like proper. It's now running until uh, October fifteenth. And they also managed to break through into the top ten. Man. Impressive, especially in the UK where it's a much smaller market for anime. And Yeah, considering and the amount of screens it was on. Yeah, it was... I think it's like happened in the US where people were willing to travel if they weren't one near them. Because Oh, yeah. yeah. Had, that, I think that was the case, at least the, the my local area, I know that there was... I could tell, like, there were at least a couple people in the theater with me that were, that didn't sound like they were from, like, they, they looked, sounds... sounded like they had probably drove, drove from, like, New Jersey or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, because I'm, because I'm in Delaware, you know, it's, there's not too many other areas you can, you know, drive to, but I don't, I, I need to double check, like, how many other theaters in the area actually had this, uh, had, we're showing this movie, but it, 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 I, I can definitely see that happening. <laughs> yeah, well done to Manga Entertainment for doing that. They've done a really good job because the same same thing as within um, with Funimation in the US. Um, it's basically had no mainstream coverage or anything. It's all been through them promoting it, everything that it's managed to get into the top ten, and that's awesome. So, well done yeah. them. Major props. <laughs> and now it is time to move on to some news about the New York Comic Con. Um, and a few interesting stories have come out there. Um, one of them is that How to Train Your Dragon is getting a graphic novel series from Dark Horse. Nice! Oh, nice. nice. Oh. So, Is it going to be um, post-Movie 2, or...? I believe so. Um, Very cool. <laughs> I haven't read up fully on the details yet. But um, it's interesting. I think they're teaming up, you know, with people on the film. So hopefully, um, hopefully it will tie in more to the films than the TV series. Um, yeah. Because generally, I love those movies, but I'm my my connection to the films pretty much sticks to the films. I don't. I'm not a major fan of the TV series that I've seen. It just mm-hmm. seems a bit. It tries. I will give the uh, from what I've seen in both series. I will uh, I will give it this. They try, but you know to stay relatively connected. But I think that I don't know if, like what the communication is between those two different you know the people in charge of both projects. But they just there seems to be a some sort of like they they aren't really trying to stick to a you know adhere to. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say I'm I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> Damn well, it. no, like, they're kind of, they have quite a thankless task where they are in between movies, which are the things where things change and there are consequence. 
and they're mm-hmm. working in TV. And the only thing really in TV that works where you can have a reset button is like sitcoms. And, you know, or I, I don't know, I guess like action cartoon shows like, yeah, you know, action, at least like a lot Spider-Man more recent ones and things like that. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, the trend nowadays in TV is that people are fine, uh, with things changing mm. and, um, you know, being used to watching every episode. So it must be, yeah, exactly quite a thankless task, really, um, mm-hmm. to be told you have this series and make sure the characters are here by the end and make sure they're in exactly the same place. <laughs> you know, um, so we can do our movies. I suppose yeah. the graphic novel is going to have the same sort of issue, really, is the problem. Yeah, I, I don't tend to go for stuff like that, but I can see the enjoyment. Like, if you like the characters, then that's enough of a pull, I think. If you, if you like just spending time with those characters, mm-hmm. I can understand it. I, I bought the Rick and Morty comic, uh, myself actually, um, all by myself, uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And with your pocket money. With my pocket money, I went to the shop <laughs> and I saved up all my 50p's. And, um, I did it because, yeah, I didn't like the idea of not being able to be with those characters, as lame as it sounds. And I can totally understand no. anyone that for anything, you know. I well, get that's... you. I totally get you. Yeah. That's I, how I, think... I felt about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which Dark Horse Comics published right. those as well, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been meaning to sort of get into that because I've always had the... I've always... I've In the past, I've always thought, oh, it doesn't count. That's no good. You know, mm-hmm. if it, it basically if something starts off as a comic, that's fine. But if it's like a spin-off of a TV series, I I just think of it as like a cash-in or whatever. But there's been these things recently where it's the continuation of the story. You know, it's the mm-hmm. only way you can see okay. the continuation of the story. They've they've oh, they're just starting to do like a Back to the Future comic series as well. I think. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I think um I think it was also Dark Horse Comics that um. I remember when Star Wars The Clone Wars got cancelled um, and they were, you know, in that transitional period. They, you know, they still had, like, scripts and stuff for episodes that they were going to put together you know, for their last you know, season or so, that they were still unfinished and still, you know, a lot of like a lot of loose plot, you know plot threads hang- left hanging so they tried to do um, at least one comic book series before they transitioned to the new uh, Star Wars Rebels thing where they, uh try to at least provide some conclusion to one of the loose plot threads, but that even then, that was still kind of like, they still left some stuff open, which I don't know if they're going to try and maybe conclude in, uh, in actually in Rebels, since they, a lot of majority of the same people are working on that series, but who knows? That's cool. Uh, I think also like the comics based on Adventure Time and um, I don't probably regular show and being puppy cut and stuff they're really i think they're really good as well from what i've seen of them because they get really good people involved with them basically like really good like web comic writers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and amazing artists so i think i think the idea of just comics based based off a tv series or whatever the idea that they're not good i think is probably outdated yeah it's changed well they've yeah it's outdated to to the extent that they've always existed as well Mm -hmm. did you guys ever check out i don't know if we talked about this before or not but um 
I read all of the um, Walking Dead comics on my iPad, and um, that format is just the coolest thing. I mean, th- have you looked at any of the digital comics via um, uh, e-readers or iPad, specifically iPad? Um, they just It's cool because you focus in on each panel. <laughs> so it's very, um, I don't know, it almost feels like it's intended for that uh, oh, because, you know, you right. know, so you, as you swipe through each one, you know, you really get like the the panel size changes, you know, and you really mm. focus in on each one, and there's a black background. And I gotta um, say, I have, I have like a, a slideshow. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a problem with that because comics are made to be read as a page where the whole thing is in front of you, and it's well, you down can do that, to... that too. You can right. do that too, but you can also okay. zoom in on them. I don't know. I just think it's great to be able to sort of focus on each one if you want or mm. zoom out and see the whole thing. I I don't know. I, I really, I feel like it's immersive almost. <laughs> yeah, tablets, tablets are really good, good for comics. I've come, I've come around to ebooks, and I, mm-hmm. I really, like, I'll buy ebooks now and I won't feel like, oh, there's not a physical thing here, and I'm happy with, with that idea. But mm-hmm. comics, I just can't get over, like, they're so perfect on on the bit of flimsy paper, and I can take them anywhere, and I can hold them closely, and I can look at them as far away as I want, or as close as I want. <laughs> or, or, I think that's and, the same. I think it's like the same. The same argument is like you know the ebooks and all that with uh, versus actual books and actual comics. Like you know, do people prefer ho- actually holding the physical copy and reading them that way, or? Do you know people enjoy getting that kind of sort of interactive quality or um, kind of like easy to carry around that uh, you know the ebooks and tablets all have? It's it's I think well, it's a, first a matter of preference. It's not no. just that though with the ebooks because the ebooks man the fact that you have a traveling dictionary with you while you're reading a book is fantastic. I mean that's the huge at least for me, the huge difference, um, just to be able to look up any word automatically, you know what I mean? Because I remember <laughs> yeah. I would carry around a dictionary with me, <laughs> like reading um, some, you know, like... God. More diff- when it, well, no, I mean, when I was reading more difficult material, you know, I mean, if it's just a fluff piece, that's different, but... Um, yeah. And, and it, just to be able to look stuff up is amazing. But with comics, oh, other, I mean, the, the I can cool see thing. the difference because you have, you know, artwork right there, too. I don't know. It's something. It's getting oh, so, Chris, did anything <laughs> yes. else happen it? Oh, my. <laughs> well, speaking of Adventure Time... Um, <laughs> segway! Great like segue. a Segway jingle. I think we need someone to yes. do a Segway jingle. <laughs> yes. Every time we do a really good Segway, we get to play the jingle in. Perfect. Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah. Tinkerbell. Yeah. Little <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, the character of Marceline is getting her own little spin-off mini-series called Stakes. Awesome! And that is going to start in November. She's one of the one of the more interesting characters, I think, or just like more, at least my personal favorite out of uh, what I've seen of Adventure Time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really cool that she's, you know, I think that someone out there thinks that she's cool enough to carry her own story. <laughs> well, again, she's had like, her own spin-off comic series, which has been quite popular, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if that's part of the you know she's got her own fad dub so oh she's yeah, she doing does. her own tv series you mean well mini yeah mini tv si- series oh cool all right 
Um, so it's not a complete spin-off, separate series, but it's like mm-hmm. limited run thingy, like um, over the hedge or whatever. Oh, over that's perfect. Over the garden shed. Over the garden shed. <laughs> <laughs> over the garden wall. <laughs> I actually got to see all of that, by the way, and it was phenomenal. Aha! Awesome. Um, I still have to catch up. Yeah, I've only yeah. seen the first. Has anyone two, seen their their other uh, new series, um, the Bears? That we bear bears. No, I haven't. Not uh-huh. yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, I need to check that out. Yes, despite having access to like Cartoon Network, I haven't watched it for <laughs> a very long time because I've I just don't watch normal TV. <laughs> well, I do everything right. on Netflix yeah. or whatever. Um. And there is one other story I wanted to cover from New York Comic Con. And I have to say, one of my favourite things when I've been listening back and editing is sometimes there is a story that someone finds out about in the course of the episode that makes them happy or whatever. And you get an awesome, genuine reaction where they find out the news for the first time in unrelated news. Um... (laughs) <laughs> it's been announced that there is going to be a live-action Hollywood production of Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Can it be true? Can it it's be true? true? Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> I can die happy. I, uh, when you were saying earlier, oh, I, I stumbled across a story, I was like, oh, no, please don't. Please. Ah. <laughs> what is, I wanted to you surprise. wanted to make sure I hadn't found out yet. Yeah, I wanted to surprise you. That was well, the show. <laughs> you got me. You yeah. got me. Yeah. Um, would, you, would you like to explain for the uninitiated what Tiger and Buddy is about? <laughs> All right. Um... The synopsis of, uh, of what I can put together of uh, Tiger and Bunny, while the name sounds ridiculous, it is, uh, the story is based on this uh, kind of, I would say, semi-futuristic modern uh, city where mm-hmm. they have, you know, superheroes and like, people with superpowers are, uh, you know, they pop up every now and again and they're just kind of considered, you know, kind of like the everyday thing. However... They have, in this particular city, they have a television program where they have super, the people with superpowers as take on identities as superheroes and basically compete with each other, doing, you know, saving people, preventing disasters, and so forth, as kind of like a reality TV show sort of thing. And, uh, you know, you have a whole bunch of different superheroes. Uh, Fire Emblem, he controls and manipulates fire... Um, and the main character, um, I feel terrible, I can't remember his last name, uh, Sotetsu, uh, a.k.a. Wild Tiger, is one of the older superheroes, and, and he's not really popular because he, in the process of saving people, he does a lot of uh, property damage. <laughs> and uh, so he's not really as popular as he used to be, but in order to kind of... Uh, get a new edge, he's kind of given a... He's given a new partner named Barnaby. And the story covers as the two try to learn how to work together and uh, try to protect the city from a multitude of different threats. And he nicked... And the, you know where the bunny, the bunny comes from? 
uh, basically that's Kotetsu's uh, name for Barnaby because he has little his suit has ears and he hops around because of his superpower. So that's where the bunny comes from in the title. <laughs> yep. So it's a superhero thing. But the superheroes all got sponsors on their chest and everything, like yeah. Pepsi on it. <laughs> and they run around on TV and, you know, they get told, oh, no, no, don't do it that way because it's not good for the sponsors or ratings or whatever. Um, yeah. Kotetsu's these... the character is like, screw that, I'm trying. I'm going to save people. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's obviously based on Western superhero stuff. So it's one of these situations where it makes sense to do a Hollywood version of it. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, yeah, so it's really good that they do that because I think that they could, you know, it's time has come, I think, it's, with it, the superhero it, thing. produced by Ron Howard. Yeah. <laughs> what? Get out of town, are you serious? Or his, <laughs> his production company, anyway. Oh. Yeah. That's, so I'm excited. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm excited. Hmm. Yeah, there's quite a few sort of anime um, things in production. As 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 a uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hmm. <laughs> well, I, we've Dragon Ball Evolution happened. Yeah, eh. yeah, it, it it unfortunately exists. And yeah, but... and 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 Hollywood. Is you know has taken forever trying to get Akira off the ground. I you know um, Rachel, don't be too disappointed when it looks nothing like Tiger and Bunny as you know it. I know it will be. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm... they're working with the people. I think they're working with the original it, Sunrise are involved. Who are okay, okay, production thing. So they're saying we they're making all the right noises to say that we're going to do it pretty faithfully. Um, because mm-hmm. the way it's done is it it would be a good fit with like Western superhero stuff. So I think you know they don't. It's one of these. It's not like one of these insanely Japanese things where they have to um, relocate everyone and change everything. Um, it's quite Western in its outlook yeah, anyway. It is so, really okay. Okay, and yeah. that's the one. That's the kind of things Hollywood should be adapting from anime, rather than, you know, Bleach and going. Oh, we're going to change all the characters' names, and yeah, we're going to set it in America, and we're not going to call it Bleach anymore. And yeah, like Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, but we are almost certainly actually going to get a live-action adaptation now because um, I'm pretty sure they've started shooting Ghost in the Shell. Um, cool, and that's going to happen. And we know what's going to happen. Everyone's going to say, "Oh, it's a bit like the Matrix, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, it is. It is. It, it strikes me as exactly first? the sort of film that's going to satisfy. It's not going to satisfy people who don't know what Ghost in the Shell is because they're just going to be confused, and it's not really. They're going to be like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, like you say, it's oh, it's like the Matrix, but not as good. And then the fans will be disappointed because, you know, um, the characters don't look exactly the same. Well, they cast Scarlett Johansson, so there's already the whitewashing problem. Ah. Mm. Um, but huh. it's being directed by uh, 
Rupert Sanders, who directed Snow White and the Huntsman, which I was not a big fan of what I saw, but visually it was very impressive. Yeah. And in, interestingly, he was apparently, or they were very influenced by Princess Mononoke in the visuals of that film. That was their touchstone that they yeah. said. So maybe he's got a bit of a I'll give Snow White and the Huntsman this. It was an interesting idea. It was interesting. It was, they, they tried to do something new and different with that particular story, but execution, like it would, like sometimes it was really good. Sometimes it was, it kind of faltered. So. The problem with that film was that it tried to make you convinced that Kirsten Stewart is more attractive than Charlize Theron. So. <laughs> nah, that I didn't, that I didn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. who is the fairest in the land? Oh, it's Kirsten Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Uh, oh my god, that's funny. So, <laughs> they're also currently working on a Death Note live action movie with a quite interesting director, Adam Wingard, who directed The Guest, which is awesome. Um,. So it's a good director. Yeah, definitely. Uh, got a lot, I mean, in this plot, there's not too. I mean, it has the the main supernatural element where there's a giant, like you know, clown face god of death following him around. But the rest of it's quite a conventional thriller. Yeah. Uh, no, pl- pl- um, storyline. Not everyone will agree with me, but I would argue that it's already been done well in live action. So yeah, with the the. Japanese mm. movies, yes. Yeah, see, not everyone agrees with me, <laughs> but I thought those were really good movies. So they they were exactly the sort of thing that gets made in Japan when the thing <laughs> and they go, oh, quick, we have to make a live action movie, and yeah, it's fine. Okay, so Tiger Bally, the movie coming soon. Well, not that soon, but some point. At some point, it will be it will be a thing that happens, and I will be waiting. Yeah, we'll wait for that. Um, <laughs> and now it's time to move on to talk a bit about some stuff that we've been watching, or at least some stuff I've been watching. Uh, if anyone else has got anything else as well. Um, <laughs> Not too much this week, unfortunately. <laughs> Outside yeah, the usual. Right, um, one thing I was able to watch recently is a Spanish animated film called Wrinkles, um, which has been reviewed on the site, but not by me. Uh, it was by Christoph. Um and it is not your typical animation film because it is based on a graphic novel from Spain uh, about um, a bunch of elderly people in a home, and <laughs> the the lead yeah, and the lead character um, is starting. He's got the early signs of Alzheimer's, mm. so it sounds like a laugh bright, obviously. Um, <laughs> but it's actually. It's not completely nothing depressing. It's actually it's quite light in places, and there's also and it's really well made, nice. and it's obviously as you might imagine, it's also quite moving and sad in places, and also it depends on like your experiences. Like um, if you've got experience of seeing that for real in your family, like I have, then it gets you more, I think. Um, but if you haven't not so much probably but it's really beautifully made and stuff and it's like I said it's not completely not completely depressing because it still has fun with the characters 
and like one of the characters is basically like this old rogue <laughs> who goes around um, oh. like conning all the other inmates as he describes them out of money and stuff like that <laughs> and there's also a scene where you go oh yes this is clearly European um, where all the old men are um, basically um, leching over one of the nurses <laughs> who is um, well animated in the Gynax style <laughs> um, oh my. and you go oh yes this is this is European but yeah I, I think it's really good as long as you know as long as it's not too tough for you to watch because of personal reasons or whatever mm. it is worth watching how was how was the voice uh, I, I did watch the English version which has got um, Martin Sheen as the main character um it was okay. That's the American man. The American man. <laughs> I always get Martin Sheen <laughs> and um Charlie Sheen. No, Char- no, um uh, Mike uh, Yes the, the Mike Welsh Sheen. guy. The Welsh yeah, yeah that's yeah. Because yeah. I Welsh guy who I'm still oh. disappointed when I went to go and see uh the um The guy in Masters of Sex. Yeah. I went to go and see Amazing <laughs> Spider Man thinking expecting David Frost to be Uncle Ben. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, I see. Okay, because um, I, it's quite it's quite interesting how smaller films like this handle dubs and mm-hmm. voice acting at all. Um, whether it's, I mean, is it sort of quite comical or is it quite naturalistic? Uh, fairly straight. I think it's played fairly straight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like yeah, it's not like big in Hollywood and yeah. noisy and everything because it's it is a low key sort of film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also looks it looks like a like a you know like French or Spanish or whatever comic book you know that sort of style. So and it looks it's really. Nicely done. Yeah, I've been meaning to check it out for a long time. I should really get around to that. It sounds, yes, it sounds like you enjoyed it. I did. You know, as it, much as you it, can enjoy a film. You know, it, it sounds like you thought it was a good film. It's a good okay. film, yes. And I think it's worth watching. And I also watched a uh, second episode of The New Version of the Muppets, oh. uh, which, was, which was, again, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, which episode? Not was... a lot to say. Uh, it had um, mm. Josh Groban as the guest star. I didn't uh, know who he was, so that joke kind of worked on me a bit. But then I was just like, "Okay." I only <laughs> know who he is because uh, we have in the UK we have a tradition of like um, comedy panel game shows, and there was one that ran for many years called Never Mind the Buzzcocks. It's, mm-hmm. it's, fi- it's finally been cancelled after about eighteen years. Has it? Uh, yeah, it's not coming oh, back. Oh, that's kind of sad. It's very sad. I, I love that. Um, it was yeah. a, it was a music based quiz show with lots of comedians and also music people as guests. And Josh Groban appeared on that a couple of times, and he is a very funny guy. You know, just his, his oh, really? personality, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's also in Muppets Most Wanted, so he's probably a bit of a Muppets fan as well. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So. That probably explains why he's in it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I haven't got a lot to say. It was good. I'm still liking it's, it. It's it's still good. I'm still liking it. I want them to 
really play up a little bit more of physical humor. Just because it's for adults doesn't mean to say that you can't have fun with slapstick and stuff like that. Like you expect it from the Muppets. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little heavy on them. Yeah, like dialogue gags, I thought, but mm-hmm. fine, it was fine. And I watched the next episode of South Park, uh, which was again, again, it was good. Uh, interesting what you were saying, Dan, about how like, <clears throat> the last season started like having right. a through line, and yeah. that's ob- obviously what they're doing again. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, which is interesting because they're doing the whole PC principal plot line and. And um, the, I think Mr. Garrison gonna run for president or something like that. Um, right. They're doing, yeah. A, yeah. they're doing a, a through line for the series, which is interesting because it's not something they. You said they did it last season, but it's not something that traditionally they've done a lot of. Um, and it's not a thing that like animated sitcoms do generally, which because um, mm-hmm. you know they've been they've been uh, like. They've been eight for fifteen years or whatever. But what was interesting is that they they've already played on that. By there was like one series where they went up a grade. I don't know if you remember. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It was like it was like South Park. It's great. Grade or whatever it is. I, I yeah. don't know what it. I don't know the grade system. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. Um, and the other thing that I've watched a lot of. Whereas I have finally been catching up with Rick and Morty. <laughs> what do you uh, think, Chris? I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah, it's the thing is, what something I really love about it is that it is proper sci-fi comedy. Mm-hmm. In that the mm-hmm. sci-fi is there as much as the comedy, and that's something that I love. Like, definitely, it doesn't it. doesn't happen in a lot of things, but you know, like some of my favourite things like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm-hmm. are proper com- comedy sci-fi and mm. when I was growing up I loved Red Dwarf and that you know has proper decent sci-fi concepts in it as well as comedy yeah um, it doesn't it doesn't just use a sci-fi as a setup it, yeah. right. like, it says no logis- like uh, logically what would happen when this continue when this situation continues is da, 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 time travel gets really crazy and they go, and they. I really love that they go with it. Yeah, so and have conviction. And Futurama was the same as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, in animation world, uh, and yeah, I'm really loving it so far. I've watched, I finished season one, um, and I'm going to start on season two very soon, as soon as I can. <laughs> um, and what's quite interesting is I initially thought that they were doing the whole oh never mind continuity type thing like you get in say Aquatine Hunger Force where they're like oh we'll kill off the characters this week and then everything's fine next week um, but there is I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it but there is basically a point where you go oh no wait things actually have consequences and <laughs> they have they have like a callback to something that happened in the previous episode that changes everything. significantly yeah it was. It's, it's a callback to something which is kind of quite throwaway yeah and then and, and then you go, oh yeah, I do remember that, and oh shit, that really did happen, and I guess that, that really would, you know, make them feel this way. <laughs> it's really hard to talk around if you haven't seen yes. it. But, that but, seems uh, to be a growing trend with a lot of uh, a lot of animated 
good shows nowadays. I'm, I'm beginning to, at least I'm, be, I'm starting to notice. Mm-hmm. Making a lot oh, more one... references back to previous episodes, showing that, you know, like you said, events, certain events do have consequences. And I think personally, that's yeah. something that's really that they should do more of. <laughs> yeah, they, they really do understand how, how that works, basically. They have, I think they take a lot of cues from Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> as, as it happens. Um, especially on season, in season two of Rick and Morty, the whole idea of, so a season of Doctor Who will have an over, overarching kind of, um, theme or mm-hmm. particular development or particular thing that they want to explore. Mm-hmm. They get a couple of, like, two-parters kind of exploring that theme. And then the next week might be a completely different adventure. But they're all kind of adding up to a sort of thematic. It's kind of Sherlock Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes, too. Yeah, exactly. Did I don't, you know, I don't think I got that far with the the reference callback. I think I sort of got to the end of season one, and then I had to pull myself away. But, um... Are they referencing mm. Mrs. Pancake? <laughs> the first thing I thought of, like, you don't know me. The- <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was just cracked because it would be so absurd. <laughs> anyway. And there's, there's also just, like, really utterly random stuff as well. Like, there's an episode where they're watching TV from an alternate dimension, and that plays most of the episode. Like, we're just going to show clips <laughs> from from an alternate dimension like, <laughs> and it's I, it, is that the bit you're talking about where they leave bits of their own improvised Dan yeah yeah where, yeah, where, it where was, it's, uh, it's just Justin Roiland goofing off in front of the mic and he'll <laughs> say hi I'm you know answer my eyes <laughs> and <laughs> that sounds and amazing it's, it's really not, good. it's not fun listening to someone like remember a TV show and go, haha, isn't that a funny bit? But it, 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 it's great how they, um, yeah, they leave it in. And yeah. I, I, I don't know how they get, how they get away with it. I mean, the, a... <laughs> they get away with it because actually each episode is really well structured. And even if it might seem kind of crazy, it has a really strong emotional, um, logic to it. Yeah, there's such mm-hmm. so many great lines too. Remember, um, it's not a spoiler. The um, the dog helmet <laughs> when yeah. they're trying to get the dog to sort of do it on. There was some sort of line, and he's like, "I I hope you're happy now. Like basically, you've gotten your dominance over this. Like I hope this is working for you now. <laughs> like, like I hope this solves your all your emotional needs. Basically, is what he's saying." As he, you know, as they move on with the rest of the episode, it's just it's like I don't even know what the line was, but they just cracked me up to no end. Um, and they just, yeah, there's all these little like throwaway lines that sort of echo back to you after you watch the episode. You're like, oh, that stings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's really quippy and it's really funny, but it doesn't. I mean, it gets it gets kind of real and kind of a little bit depressing sometimes, but. <laughs> it's actually not a cynical show. It's right. kind of... Well, you of, have an alcoholic it, hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with it's, some it's vomit around his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> it's, he's slightly old, weary, 
but <laughs> kind of like Doctor Who, he's world weary, but the show itself is not the cynical thing. It's mm. quite optimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get the sense that they actually really give a shit about the characters as well. Yeah. Yeah, you do too. It's like you, you he's still a hero. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did, did you catch that there was a story going around that oh they they're hiring they're hiring some women writers for season three? No, <laughs> I apparently didn't. they had apparently they didn't hire any for the previous seasons. But oh. I think I think it's maybe they're doing more spec you know things from outside writers and stuff going forward. But I I as I, I understand I think. Um... There were a few female writers on on Community who De- oh definitely there were yeah they were, like, were really good so Megan Gantz I think yeah is, yeah was a major part of the success of that show yeah so I think yeah it's not like he's a misogynist or anything it's just um yeah but apparently season three they're talking about it's going to be more mixed maybe um. Huh? Seems like TV from other dimensions has a somewhat looser feel to it. Yeah, it's got an almost improvisational tone. It's in theaters now, coming this summer. Two brothers in a van, and then a meteor hit. And they ran as fast as they could. From giant cat monsters, and then a giant tornado came. And that's when things got knocked into 12th gear. A Mexican armada shows up with weapons made from tomatoes. And you better bet your bottom dollar that these two brothers know how to handle business. In Alien Invasion Tomato Monster Mexican Armada Brothers, who are just regular brothers running in a van from an asteroid and all sorts of things, the movie. Hold on, there's more. Old women are coming, and they're also in the movie, and they're going to come and cross-attack these two brothers. But let's get back to the brothers, because they are they have a strong bond. You don't want to know about it here, but I'll tell you one thing. The moon, it comes crashing into Earth, and what do you do then? It's two brothers, and a, and, and they're going to... It's called Two Brothers. Two Brothers. Uh, also, I watched... Lots more Danger Mouse. It's still great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen anything past the pilot yet. Yeah, there's there's some great episodes. There's like um, there's an episode where there's like a super powered little girl who wants to cover everything in pink glittery stuff, um, <laughs> and it's called like Pink Dawn or something. It's, right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's it. It's all good, all the writing's excellent, the acting and the performances and everything. Uh, yeah, like I said before, they've just got it right, and I stick by that. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's what I'd be watching. Very nice. Anybody else? I okay. actually, I watched, well... It's not related so much to animation. I watched the entire. I was down with the flu, <laughs> and I watched the um, entire the six episode season of um, Fear the Walking Dead, <laughs> oh. which was um, entertaining. And then, uh, and I also did some video game playing. But I will. Did anyone else watch anything? Um, um not this week really. Aside from the usual stuff, when it comes to mm-hmm. animation watching for me. Yeah, I had a really, really crazy week, so I didn't really get much 
watched apart from like the finale of Rick and Morty season two, which I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Um, but also, uh, this morning I watched, uh, House Moving Castle. Um, yeah. which, uh, I felt it was time for me to rewatch. Basically, my understanding is that it's kind of not really anyone's favorite. It's often brought up as an example of, like, Miyazaki's weakest film. Um, Mm. And it's been accused of, like, having a really meandering plot. Uh, and I was kind of thinking about it on and off this week, and I was thinking, hmm, yeah, I should, I should, like, revisit that. And I'm convinced now that it is something really, really special. And it does some really, really amazing things with, um, the idea of transformation, but also like landscapes are so important in the film. And you know how you, you often hear people say, you know, oh, it's like the, uh, uh, the city itself is a, is a character, you know, like in the, <laughs> yeah. it, it, in, in, in the, the case of House, in the case of House Moving Castle, it's, it's so important to, um, understanding like the, you know, cause basically, uh, does, so the, the film itself is a bit like a crazy circus. It doesn't really make much sense on the surface. It is just, you know, wow, this crazy thing's happening now, and wow, this, you know, uh, pretty thing is happening here. But really, if you really watch it from the point of view of the characters, it's a really, really interesting, um, quite classic sort of love story about accepting mm-hmm. someone and accepting who that person is and seeing them from different points of view. It's it's really interesting that um, Sophie, in the film, she doesn't meet how directly for quite a while. Um, uh, well, she, she bumps into him in, in, in town and he chucks her in the air and they have a walk in the sky. But um, her first actual real meeting with him is in the castle. And she, she enters through the back door and it's dark and dingy. And it's really about like her, you know, entering how sort of subconscious really. And it's oh, about cool. her discovering who he is like from a really deep level first off. And throughout the film, they observe each other from these quite indirect places. Like how only sees, um, Sophie is a young girl because she's turned into an old lady. Um, as, uh, uh, she had, she's cursed and she's turned into an old lady. But how I actually first sees her as a young girl in her young girl form when she's asleep and she first sees him, um, you know, as, as a, as a bird person, not until quite late in the film as well. So anyway, it's, I, 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 I gave it a good rewatch and I was quite open minded to it. And it does kind of have a little slight sag in the middle where some quite, um, you know, obligatory plot business is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as an, as, as, as a, as a love story, basically, I think it's, it's excellent. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. If you um, if you think it's not your favorite, 
I don't know. I wouldn't. I would. I still wouldn't say it's my all-time favorite Miyazaki movie that I've ever seen. It, but it is still. I think it's, think it's, it's still better than people than people. Most people give it credit for. I mean, I can understand why some people would take issue with it because, um, at least with people who are familiar with the actual book and how different it is from the actual story. And if you enjoyed that story, uh-huh. then you may not be. You may be let down with at least with, with the way the the story was adapted for the film. Yeah, but, I I didn't. I didn't read the book actually i've only seen the movie and maybe maybe i should um it seems like yeah he sort of he shaved off a few parts of like Hal's personality that mm-hmm. was slightly bristly um, yeah <laughs> like I, I i keep i keep seeing a bit of dialogue posted online uh from from the book where Hal sort of like comes comes uh comes to at the end of the story and he wakes up and he goes, oh, hell's teeth. What a hangover. And <laughs> <laughs> I can't really imagine the sort of uh, shonen, like Hal in the movie saying anything like that. But... Yeah. he was He's complete and total shonen in the movie. <laughs> I don't think Miyazaki really adapts books or whatever. He just <laughs> takes the thing and throws most of it out and does I just want to do what I want to do he's going to use the basic concept he's done that since the 70s his series yeah. uh, Conan Boy in the Future was mm-hmm. meant to be based upon um, uh, this book called The Great Tide and yeah he basically he got rights to the book and he went that's great that's a good jumping off point <laughs> and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't interested in staying faithful to it yeah, that's just, that seems to be Miyazaki's thing. And for what, considering what he did with Howl's Moving Castle, I'm, mm-hmm. even though I'm only like slightly familiar with the book, um, I, I'm, I have no problems with it. That's kind of like my the shining. I loved the book growing up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was a favorite of my sister's oh. growing up, that oh. book. Nice. Yeah, it, yeah, The Shining. Stephen King does not like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's very different. He's wrong, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah they're he... two different entities. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I'm, I'm sure it's really hard to separate yourself from, mm-hmm. from that. If you've written The Shining, to then see someone, <laughs> no, you've done it wrong. It's not about America. It's not about uh, native burial grounds. It's. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, adaptations aside. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't really get the hate that House Moving Castle gets. I, I think it's just part of its problem is coming after Spirited Away, basically. I think Spirited Away makes less sense than House Moving Castle, to be honest. I think just, you know, that was sort of the peak and everything after that, people just went, oh, no, no, mm-hmm. he's, he's lost it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's won the Oscar. Let, let's let's all turn on him now. Uh, oh, he's out. He's gone. <laughs> so, yeah. I, uh, mm. but yeah, I, I really like the movie. So do I. Whatever anyone says so, and I like all his movies after that as well. So yeah, yeah. Even Podio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did see. Um, I did see that. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> forgot for a moment i saw um that vr thing the doghouse movie it's a makes a nice transition to our video game section yes 
Um, <laughs> so as you know, a couple podcasts ago, I was at uh, the IFP Media Center um, in Dumbo, and I went to see uh, the Doghouse, and uh, it's a it was an 18 minute short film. Um, though there was enough content for a feature length film, <laughs> um, and you wore the Oculus Rift uh, version one of the developer's kit, that SDK V1, I guess you call it. And um, I tell you, it was um, it was cool to to experience that version because I had never um, tried out any of the the VR glasses, the goggles, and um, it was nice to, to experience the first one because it was it was slightly pixelated and it did make you slightly nauseous. Oh boy. <laughs> um, like James Rogers was saying, you know, when we were talking to him about VR stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, the way they had it set up was there was a um, a table, an actual table in a room with um, plates and silverware and wine glasses, and you know, so we're set out with a spread, no food or anything. And then the movie uh, was a family drama. There were subtitles, um, uh, but I mine actually weren't working, which I was fine with because I, <laughs> then, you know what I mean? It was very immersive, and um, I kind of just wanted to experience it. And then I found out, you know, what I missed uh, from the people sitting next to me. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, so what you did is you picked a character to experience the movie as, and yeah, yeah. the way they shot it. Um, was not with, you know, there are different variations. You can either, um, right now, I mean, it's honestly, it's sort of Wild West. There aren't really any rules, but um, they do have these 360-degree cameras where they take the cameras and they sort of put them out in an environment and then, you know, record 360 degrees. And then what happens is when you experience them with the VR glasses, you're sort of a floating entity, right? Well, well, these were recorded uh, with the point of view um, of the actor, which meant that the actors were had cameras strapped to their foreheads. Um, and the the project itself was a real do-it-yourself type situation. I mean, they just used two GoPro cameras and stuck them next to each other <laughs> and uh, mm. strapped them to the actors. And the, the distance between the two lenses were just was just. Uh, is serendipitous, I suppose. It was exactly the same uh, distance as as between the two human eyes. So, mm-hmm. so it worked out. <laughs> that well, is hey, absolutely hang, incredible. Hang on. So, so this yeah. was a live action movie. This was a live action movie um, that you. Wow. Yeah, I know, I know. And you you chose okay. a character to experience it okay. as. I know, I know. It, I'm going to, I have, I took a ton of notes. I went to the Q&A. Like, I'm going to be posting something about this the next mother sale with all of this detailed stuff um, because it's, there's just so much. And um, it, it's fascinating. But anyway, there's, it's just, it's like we're scratching the surface. I mean, all this stuff has been around for, for a while, really. It's just that because it's so accessible, people are really using it. And it is right now is the time where it really is like the Wild West because, um Kids of all ages are starting to use it now for the first time. So Do you feel it's a really new experience for you? Like something that you can't explain? Like, you know, uh, like when touchscreens came about, mm-hmm. you, you try and say to someone, oh no, it's like a screen, but you touch it and the thing just goes and you can kind of understand it without doing it. Well, I'll tell you, but there are You don't really get, do you really, yeah. is it something that you just, you just can't describe? 
Um, I think that it's very much, it's very new. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so new. I mean, like I said, the the subtitles that were there, like I, I had no interest in like stopping the process because the experience itself was so immersive. I mean, besides yeah. the fact that you do have to kind of breathe through feeling slightly crazy, and supposedly they've made um, fixes for that, like in these newer generations of the goggles, and who knows what will happen next year when they're released for public consumption. So we'll see what state all of that's in. Um, but with regard to the actual immersive experience, um, it's much like um, playing um, like something like Bioshock Infinite, where you have um, mm-hmm. first-person point of view and then, like, this hand that's not yours, but then you sort of, in your mind, make it yours. The difference, though, is Ooh, that yeah. you can um, look all around the room. So, for instance, like, I was playing as the father character, and um, so the father comes to the door or knocks on the door. You're sort of following, you're tailing him. You're almost like a ghost hovering within this character that's a person <laughs> and you can't so, control them but you can look around the room no matter where they right. are right so 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 you have the ability to look around in 360 but you don't have the ability you don't have a controller to like go you you can look around i don't know that it's th- it's not 360 it's basically um it was more like uh like 100 180 degree, or it's like basically the peripheral, however the actor can look around, I mean, it's more like 180, or you could definitely, there are edges to what you could see with this particular setup, and like I said, it was kind of do-it-yourself, so all of that will change, I mean, that's not like a standard thing, right, these are yeah. just, like I said, two GoPro cameras, like, strapped to the actor's foreheads, but um, the difference, though, is that, so you, you're definitely affected by the experience of the character, the actor who's playing a part. So you feel like you're sort of part of that character. And when you look down, you see the character's body. Like I see this man's body, right? And you can look around the room. And and the difference really is, you know, they're still telling a story, but you are inclined to sort of look around and experience the entire room. What what tends to guide you then, and this is something that I brought up at the Q&A afterwards, is, um, you know, you have, like, how do you control the viewer? Because a lot of the ways you would control the viewer's eye with regard to, uh, to with light and with, uh, with, um, uh, perspective or like setting up shots and, and, and all, and that kind of yeah. design of the shot is kind of thrown out the window because the viewer has its ability to look around. Instead, you wind up doing with something like sound. So, you know, he's like about to burn a casserole. So the oven slams, you're like, whoa, and you look and he's like getting, the casserole, you know, I mean, yeah. things like yeah. that are happening, and it's a really fantastic, very interesting thing because then, you know, uh, they touched on this in the Q and A, but you know, if you say you take the camera and then you move it from that one point on the actor to another location, or say you, it's a free form, then what does that do for the viewer? You know what I mean? Like, besides make them want to throw up, <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many well, yeah, things that you we can do. It's brand is- new. It seem it would seem like a bit of a violation to cut. That would probably be too jarring. Right? I don't know. That's the thing. Exactly. So it's all exactly <laughs> like those are questions. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a really fascinating thing. And so yeah, I was experience... so, I was talking to a, a yeah. friend of mine who's trying to develop a, a um, uh-huh. Oculus Rift like, like animation, mm-hmm. and he was asking all these questions as well. And he said exactly what you said about sound. About, yeah. You know, when you're just at home and you know, there's a knock at the door, you look towards the door, no matter right. where you are. Exactly. So it sounds yeah. going to be like a new yeah. uh, 
is, is going to have like a yeah. new uh, function. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, vibrations, like who knows, you know, but, um, was, what, I've, I've got to ask you, was there a point, mm-hmm. uh, was there any point in the movie where a, um, where another actor looked you dead in the eye? Um, there, yes, the, uh, the characters definitely interacted with one another. And again, you feel, you feel like you're sort of living two lives. You feel like you're sort of a floating ghost with a person. I'll tell you something else that happened that was really extraordinary because like I said, it wasn't crystal clear, but it's still very immersive. And they had the props out there. So you could sort of like touch the wine glass when he touched the wine glass or touch the forks and knives when he touched them. (laughs) They help you with the immersive experience, but honestly it helped ground you. It helped me ground me and make me less queasy. Like when there was a wine glass, I would touch it and be like, okay, I'm, like, I am this character. It was so strange. But listen to this, you guys. So at one point, the father, like, goes downstairs, and he goes and, like, lights a joint or something. And I think it was it looked like a joint. And the fire was a different color, which is interesting, but whatever. I doubt that that was on purpose. But anyway, when he used the lighter, I swear to you, you could feel, I could feel, like, a heat mm-hmm. from... <laughs> The lighter, which was just my brain. Okay. okay, yeah. Well, this is like when, you know, we're going to get these new types of filmmakers who would just mm-hmm. understand how to do that weird shit. You know, the phantom exactly. limb stuff. Yep, where, yep. Uh, you know, the, the, you can do that experiment where you have a fake arm. And right. so long as you hide your arm and you look mm-hmm. at the fake arm, if you have someone stab <laughs> the fake arm with a knife. You right. have this momentary um, sensation, and well, and, and that's, like, that's the probably thing. What happens with mm-hmm. the yeah, uh, yeah. No, I my brain completely. Like, I felt heat. I was like, okay, this is crazy. Was it's it, all this, was like, it fun? Mm-hmm. So was it fun to be tricked like that? Yes, totally. No, I mean, I loved it. I I wanted to go back and and watch the movie again as each character. I mean, I would have loved to have done that. And oh, and the God, thing this is, is gonna be you know, isn't it? It's, <laughs> someone's just gonna disappear. I mean, well, like, it movies, is, t- movies do a pretty good job as it is uh, offering a cake. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, hey, fuck all you guys! I'm going to the Bahamas <laughs> on a beach somewhere. <laughs> it is, it is terrifying. Like. I mean, and again, like, yeah, this is just the sort of pixelated version. I haven't seen a lot of, well, you know, what's interesting is, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just describing this all in bits and pieces, but it's just, there's just so much. And um, at the Q&A, like, I did bring up something with the, um, it was cool, too, because I sort of got there earlier, early while another few batches of people were going through the experience, I guess you'd call it, the movie experience. Um, so I got to chat with them a little bit, and... Um, you know, I, I asked them, you know, what about, you know, the amount of content that you have to make? And I know we had touched about, touched on the subject a little bit in other podcasts. Uh, you know, I said, to, and they said, well, yeah, actually, you know, it's like a feature length film, really, that lasts 18 minutes because we have, you know, because of the amount of content we have to create. And, um, but, but uh, what, and oh, yeah, the, uh, Johan and uh, Mads are the two guys who created the um and you was saying uh the thing is though the content itself is so cheap 
to create nowadays. Like, so as that, there's a price goes down and the availability goes down. He's like, that's why I feel like we're sort of moving in this direction automatically, you know, because we do need to make more content, but we can, you know? And mm-hmm. it's almost like this sort of perfect storm. Um, I mean, I don't think that, you know, traditional movie making is going away or going anywhere. I mean, hell, I don't think film is going, actual physical film is necessarily no, going doesn't. anywhere. Oh, it, it, Polaroids it, it, aren't it, it, going what? anywhere. Mm, photography didn't go yeah. away. And painting <laughs> didn't go away. But it is definitely, yeah, exactly. Records are still with us. So, I mean, I think that... Um, I do think, though, that this is uh, this. I don't think this is just a flash in the pan or a gimmick. And I've heard that a lot of some. Uh, I was hanging out with a couple of uh, artists. Honestly, I think they were just grumpy because everything's so much cheaper now. They were just, as they were starting all of this stuff, they were paying like twenty thousand dollars for their computer <laughs> setup, and things were taking like three months to render out. You know what I mean? So and now, like a kid can like pick up a phone and a couple of like gadgets and like make something equivalent. But um, I don't think it's a flash in the pan. And I, I mean, uh, unless it winds up causing health problems or something, like even then, I don't know. It's it's just very, very immersive and uh, and cool. Uh, I, although I don't think there's a lot um, in the way of animation, um, at least from what I've seen, um, uh, for the medium. But I'm definitely looking into that, and I, I'm. You know, reaching out to those guys to uh, sort of let me know if they well, come across. Well, I have anything. a couple of thoughts Great. on why that might be, mm-hmm. um, and I actually I might save it because it links in with our main topic. Um, but on the on the subject of um, three sixty videos, mm-hmm. if you have a smartphone, you can actually watch three sixty videos on YouTube. And if your smartphone has a um, like a like a gyroscope sort of mm-hmm. like a compass thing, like um, right. I, I use my iPhone and it works for that. You can if you have the YouTube app, there are actually 360 videos on YouTube now where you can um, play the video and it starts, mm-hmm. and then you can tilt the phone and you can right. look up and down. Um, yeah. Oh wow! Well, that's just yeah. That's just um, like I'm, that Glenn Keane thing. It's the same type of technology, exactly right? Like yeah. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Um, there are some ones of like some some cat cafes in Japan, nice. <laughs> where you're on the floor with the cats. Is there like? Yeah, I, I know those things. <laughs> um, and then there's one that's like a that's like a, a flyover of um, a city. I can't remember what city it is. It might be New York. Um. And and it's like they've got this 360 camera on the bottom of a um, helicopter, and because it's recorded, you know, 360 degree mm-hmm. uh, uh, field of view, you can look down and you can look up and any way right. you want. It's, well, that, it's yeah. I mean, isn't that the technology that you use with something like uh, that Google, uh, Google Cardboard thing, or any of the other little devices where you can actually hook up your phone to it? I mean, I think that's the kind of that's a software that they're using in order to right. sort of yeah. facilitate that sort of lower end uh, VR experience. But did you, Chris? Did you see any of this? We'll post these links on the um, show notes. But did you see? There's all these cool studies too. Um, there were links that I was sort of pointed to after the Q and A um, 
for that dog the doghouse event, and they're doing there are all kinds of experiments. I'm using virtual reality and um in in psychiatry, and also um they're. Uh, on, there's a whole thing on uh, VR and empathy, like because because you can yeah. take 360 degree images of places like around the world. There are people doing this, and then taking those movies and then showing them to influential people or people who are voting on certain. You know what I mean? Like just to give them a, more of a sense mm-hmm. of the place and what it is that um, they're making decisions on. It, it's fantastic. I mean. I, I'm, oh, it's so wow. exciting. Yeah, and like, then, what if in the future yeah. you're like incarcerated and you're told, mm. you know, you're gonna spend, uh, 17 minutes in, in, in jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, you'll, you'll play the, a video of, I don't know, something that'll make you change your mind. Ooh, <laughs> that's very Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very Black Mirror, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> when there's also the, um, is it, uh, Be the Machine or, I can't remember the name of it. I have to look it up. But, um, there are all these, uh, sort of tests or I don't know what you would call it, experiences where you have people who are wearing, um, the VR goggles and they're seeing the other person who is, are also wearing the goggles and they sort of, um, sit down and figure out what motions they're going to do or, or in some instances, like how much clothing they're going to remove. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so they're looking down and they like touch their own arm, but they're seeing someone else's body. And so Whoa, it's, yeah. um, how wild, right? It's, it's, to... it's going to be so exciting. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm just as excited. <laughs> about us being able to look back on all these comments as quite quaint. Mm. You know, like people <laughs> who are talking about video games like being the new nasty for um you know, destroying tiny minds. Like I'm quite <laughs> excited. I know seriously, I am quite excited about thinking about oh, okay, wouldn't it be really cool you know, a few days a few years down the line when all of this is kind of blown over and these things are just a part of our lives and Right. We're able to get these cool experiences, but without the sort of, you know, uh, bogeyman, uh, you know, of, of, um, what's it gonna do to society? Sort of looming over. Well, that happens with every (laughs) new, like, piece of technology or medium, I think. It seems to be a recurring thing, and video games for us, at least for our particular generation, was just the next thing on the chopping block. Speaking of which, yes. I actually, I don't, I got to see, well, I watched the uh, the BBC did a um, a drama, I don't know if you heard about it, based on the creation of Grand Theft Auto. Oh, really? Oh, my dear. Oh, God, and I watched it, I watched the damn thing. Oh. It was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> it's, the oh. it's so, it's really, really shocking. There is, there is, um, it's like a thing that was made in the, the 90s it's so heavy-handed and mm. i, don't I mean really before you even get trying to do with it either no nor do i they didn't really have a point they didn't have a point to make Cause, at all because on one that what it's actually about um is specifically it's about them around that they make san andreas mm-hmm. um and it's it's doing the story of is jack was it Jack Thompson, the um, the uh, attorney in the state? Yeah, yeah, I heard. That. I remember that who story. Went, who went after the lawyer? Yeah, I think he was a lawyer yeah. or something. Who basically just kind of went after okay. the Grand Theft Auto series. Was like, oh yeah, you're corrupting our youth and blah 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 blah. 
In the movie, yeah. in the TV movie, he was painted as a real, um, uh, a really cartoony uh, Christian, uh, someone who who believed in like, oh, there there are pure ideas, and and children shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. And the thing that pissed me off more than anything in the whole film is that there was no point at which anyone told him, even in passing, you know, this wasn't made for children. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is what, that is what really got me. Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, like in the whole argument mm. in real life is when people are like, Ah, this is unsuitable for children. <laughs> yes, it is. Saying. Yes, of course. we know. <laughs> yeah. That's why there's yes, an M. It's for adults. That's why there's an M on the box. But the, the thing, thing is, it was a, yeah. in the UK, it's it had the big 18 certificate on the thing. It was obviously not for children. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, having worked in a place that sold video games, I know that a lot of parents did not really take that um, to heart. Right. Like, oh, just a game, also, it's all right. Let me tell you, being a, a being a, a, a 15-year-old around the time of these games being <laughs> being released, I was a, a persuasive 15-year-old as well. Right. <laughs> to get him yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I might have played some before I was actually... Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but um, the thing that bothered but... me most about the whole film was the fact that... Um, it depicted uh, uh, a scene where a, a boy um, had been playing Grand Theft Auto for, you know, what you could imagine was some time. And him playing the, <laughs> him oh, playing no, the game funny. was filmed like, uh, fuck, it was like reefer madness. It was like, you know, yeah. it, it was filmed like a... It's more like a drug trip for this kid, and then oh he proceeds to like go outside, and it was based on real events, uh, supposedly. And what this kid does is he he um, what does he do? He 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 rides a car to a police station, or he gets arrested think, or something. He ends up getting. I think he got arrested. Yeah. Okay. He ends up getting arrested because he's joyriding, I think, and then he he um he he kills. Um, you know the he takes, he takes the gun off the cop. He takes and, yeah, he takes the gun off the cop and he he kills the cop and the other cop and all the other cops. You know, on his way out of the police station. Um, oh boy! And then steals the car. And the, 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 the problem the with the thing is, is that it is filmed as a third person um, scene. So the oh. camera is at a fixed position behind the behind the, um, the character, and as he turns, you know, it turns as it would um, uh, uh, in a video game where it's sort of like wow. affixed to him. And it had like a it had like a, um, a heads up display, sort of you know stars appearing, and it was just the coolest. Yeah, and yeah. I it, it was and I really That's hate it. Taste. <laughs> it had nothing to say. It had nothing to say about anything. Really. Mental it illness. Was, yeah. <laughs> it or... wanted. I think it, it wanted to be social network. Um. And that... But it was just. Uh, it was nothing. <laughs> it was not good. And at the same time, it was also trying to go. Oh look, video games are the new rock and roll. Look how cool these people are. Mm. So it was like 
yeah. it's really confused as to what is it trying to say? Is it trying to say? Yeah. And then it comes up at the end and it says, studies have been inconclusive as to whether violent video games turn people violent or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are you trying to say? Are you pro video game violence or are you pro video games yeah. or what? And to make it worse, Harry Potter did not do any magic whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is the main character. Oh yeah, my god! Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Daniel, the main character who just like swore a lot, and it was quite. It just reminded me of his role in Extras, a little bit. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that I was love great. That. You know, where he's like, he's that like, was great. Yeah. Hey, hey, look, I got cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how I see every role he's done since <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to be, you know. I'm trying to be not Harry Potter, so I'm going to do all the... I'm going to show everyone I'm not just Harry Potter. And I just go, why is Harry Potter swearing? I would like to have seen... Where is his glasses, God? I would like to have seen Equus, though, unfortunately I missed that. He's naked on stage. He was alright. I thought he was quite good at that. Yeah, I didn't see that either, but I doubt Equus, I bet, was interesting. Anyways... Uh, yeah, so we don't recommend that. <laughs> uh, so funny. That so, is something. Video, video try to make a bit of a segue into our topic referring back to uh, something uh when we, Yvonne was talking about the you know the, her um VR experience like a lot what well, the experience you described is really like I, it might like I know it's definitely had a, it's like a video game origin because that well, a lot of like what you were describing of seeing uh through that that per, uh perspective from the character that you were put in the shoes of is uh, something a lot of uh, first-person video games have done, like you said, like Bioshock and uh, mm-hmm. um, and what else? Other games, like a lot of like very a lot of games that take the first-person view, like especially when they're trying not not so much when the player has so much control, but if you're having a scene shot in from that you know point of view and uh, you can't, you know, the person who's playing is kind of being taken on a little bit of a cinematic ride of, you know, they don't have, they don't have complete control, but, uh, they're still watching the scene through this perspective. Yeah. It's like when story bit of the first person game where you can look around a bit Mm -hmm. and, but you're on rail. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Like half-life in the beginning of half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You sort of like looking around. Yeah. It's a lot like that. Um, so it really sounds like the next evolution of the, of what that was, and I, the fact that they're taking that idea and trying to do something else with it is really fascinating and exciting. And I'm really, and I, I really hope, like what you were saying, that it continues to go beyond that. But it really just kind of shows like how far that that particular medium has come, not just uh, you know, animation, animation and storytelling, but just well, in general, how we, yeah, you know, know, starting from just little simple sprites too. 
I mean, I don't know how much animation content there really is for VR. I don't think there's a lot of it that's really good, but as far as the live action stuff is going, it's really interesting. I mean, I think um, what, what was fascinating to me is how much um, story... Um, but I, what I was really fascinated by was how much... Um, emotional content and narrative there was in the experience because that was something that I had just assumed wasn't really possible but because you mm. are experiencing it, the story from one person's perspective you really I mean you also felt like you were watching a movie or experiencing someone's time with their family mm -hmm. um, through mm. you also felt that you were only getting one perspective of the story, that there were other perspectives because you were also riding along like this ghost figure with one of the characters. So it was mm. very um, strange. Uh, you're sort of thinking about all of this at the same time and following the story and feeling um, immersed in it. It's a really weird combination of things. Um, I and think that, the yeah. I think the key difference between what you're talking about and video games is that, um, and it's, and it's, it's sort of to happen a bit less, I think, video games being a bit more comfortable with just being experiences. But video games traditionally are about objectives and they, right. you know, they are games. Games have an end and they have goals and objectives and there's, there are things distracting you from experiences really yeah and that's so you know it's so, so funny so, that, so with yeah. this vr content there's no obligation to you know um stay on the rails it's right. it's literature it's we're exploring an experience exploring a theme you know right. just playing with ideas and and when you start doing that you can do stories in a way that's slightly less restrictive than something which mm -hmm. is um, based on really traditional ideas of what video games should be. Mm -hmm. And it, it's interesting because they're, you almost, like you're experiencing the event just like you would a dinner party. And they mentioned this in the Q&A, it's so true. Like you're bringing your own personality into the experience because you have this freedom to look around mm -hmm. and this extra freedom to like notice little bits and pieces and details of things. Um, oh, right. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, so strange. I'm kind of reminded of the, um, actually, uh, this is, so Guillermo del Toro joined Twitter recently. Mm. And he's, like, suddenly the, the best person ever at Twitter. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, seriously, he constantly posts, like, behind the scenes photographs and, like, he, oh. he tweets, like, oh, this is one of my favorite ever ghost stories. And it's oh. on Project so you can oh, watch it. So you can read it for free. Um, yes. and the other day, <laughs> the other, <laughs> so the other day he said, um, you know, there's that ancient Chinese proverb, uh, no man ever stepped, uh, no man steps in the same river twice. And Guillermo del Toro sort of said, oh, you know, I say the same thing about films. You, no person ever watches the same film twice. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's taken to an extreme when you're in a 360, um, you know, degree uh, experience. God, and yes. you can play through that experience as many times as you want and spend different amounts of time, like, looking at your lap or looking at the person opposite you or looking just at the centerpiece in the table or something, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. I guess it's really not a problem then that they're only 
18 minutes long because the replayability is probably quite mm-hmm, quite right. strong. No, that's true. Yeah, if you talk to someone about it, if you talk to someone else who's played mm-hmm. it or you know been through yeah. it, you'll, you'll be like, "Oh, do you, did you see the bit with the cat?" And they'd be like, "What? Well, I didn't see a bit of a cat because yeah. they were watching the other and side." And that's mm. the other thing. And this is something that they brought up. The two guys, Yuan and Mads, brought up uh, is they always want to make sure that there's time for people who have experienced it to talk to one another because that's immediately what you do is you take <laughs> headphones off and go all right well that was amazing what did your character see like someone played the mother and you know she's like looks at herself in the mirror and like there's it's very physical and she's like touching her body and all this stuff and i mean that was you know i i my character goes downstairs and and you i say my character you do feel a sense of ownership a little bit because they're acting too it's not just a person wandering around these people are trying to convey something they're in this moment of Mm -hmm. acting and there's a sense of that as well which is different from video game because there's not usually the main character is not acting there might be a little bit of camera movement or whatever but you're not um you know what i I mean, they're not trying to convey something with their hands. They're not, every gesture doesn't count for something. Usually it's just a hand carrying a weapon <laughs> or a hand depends moving. Depends on the video the game. Depends on the video game or the moment that you're, that you're thinking about. But, uh, right, yeah, but it's, it's not, not, it's not the acting. whole experience. It's yeah, not the whole experience. Yeah. You're not, you're generally not acting when you're playing the main character as a video game. Like there might be moments, but these guys are actually wow. acting. Yeah their parts with the glasses i mean everything they do is totally completely intentional the way they reach for something all of that is is uh is uh you know powered mm-hmm. by their you know emotional whatever they bring to it like as an actor and that's totally part of the experience too um uh i wanted off a little bit but <laughs> anyway no yeah. you're you're just like completely i'm really um... excited <laughs> My mind is just like spidering off into like I know. thousands of yeah. these questions crazy. I want to ask about about how <laughs> these things are made and like are they going to be a new is there going to be like a new type of actor who's like exactly. really some somewhere in between like a cameraman and an actor and right. they really understand how the command you know ah uh, yeah <laughs> I know. <laughs> the timing of how they're acting. Like, you act to the camera. Well, what about acting with the camera? You know, yeah. another really crazy thing is that they watched the actual footage live, and they talked to the to each other through the actors because they had the headset and they had the Whoa. eyes of the actors. Isn't that crazy? The actors were a conduit for the two directors. <laughs> messed up i know it's like like (laughs) that was the mind-blowing sound um crazy (laughs) yeah something crazy yeah 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 the the point i wanted to make earlier about animation (laughs) and all of this is Mm -hmm. that okay so i don't know too much about animation and video games, Yvonne, and I think you know a little bit more than I do, so maybe you can help me out as I'm sort of mm-hmm. thinking out loud here. But you know, uh in in movies, a shot only has to last so long. Mm-hmm. And and typically actually also uh animated movies have shorter average shot lengths than live action mm-hmm. movies. Because there's something about animation where it's like it's a marathon. 
you know, animating um, right. a long shot is really grueling. Even if there's not much, you know, even if it's not a technically difficult shot, it becomes difficult just because of how long it is and because you have to, yeah, like I've said, it's a marathon. So with that in mind, it would then probably follow that there isn't that much animated content because of the amount animation of isn't used. <laughs> Sorry? The amount of content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, aside from, you know, like uh, idle animations in, in video games, there's not too much in, way, in the way of um, sustained, you know, held shots in animation. Yeah. I'm not, I don't really think. Yeah, no, uh, totally. I, I mean, that's a thing. I mean, that's why I, um, you know, I, I went up to the uh, the moderator, um, Story Code. He's the head of Story Code. I can't remember his name offhand. But anyway, um, and asked him, you know, if he had seen much in the way of animated content, and, and just yeah, it's just not happened yet. I mean, I'm sure that it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the quality right now. I mean, I, actually, I followed it. There's one company that's sort of leading the way or whatever, but um, a lot of the content's not that great. But um, okay. I'll keep my eye open. There are, there are exactly, like that's part it, of the problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there, there was funny. Trying it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, 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 a animation studio in London called The Line, and they recently had a, an mm-hmm. event made a VR um, experience sort of slash movie. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to think yeah. of a good word for that because VR experience sounds so 1992. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> and I know. I know. You know. I. Uh, all of my animator friends are just like trying to get hold of um, right. the dev kids and yeah. keep having, is um, people are excited it's it's coming mm-hmm. yeah and there are definitely demos but um, like you said I mean basically it's a, I think the challenge is just the amount of energy that it takes it's just easier to um, film with a camera I think yeah. um, and do the live action stuff for sure um, what was I gonna? Yeah, the demos look pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see some of those. Like, you know, there was that one, the Game of Thrones, um, wall, you know, where you like sort of go up to the wall. That's supposed to be really great. Oh, one thing I was gonna mention. I had this sort of, I don't know if it's an argument, but this one fellow I was talking to who was a little disgruntled by the whole VR thing. Like, it's a fad, it's a fad, it's gonna go away. I was like, okay. But he was like, "We're gonna we bottleneck with the technology because you're not gonna get the the you're not gonna be able to stream all that content. No one's computers are gonna be able to handle it. I don't know. That was his take okay. on it. I, I I don't know. Um, but the thing is, like, there are also games like and I'm not, I, I don't really understand this enough to really be able to fit this together fully in like a nice puzzle piece. But um, you know, did you guys see anything about that game, No Man's Land? That's coming nope. out. It's supposed to be all. It's a group of a group of ten guys, and um, recently the you know um, Stephen Colbert took over the Late Show, um, and he's had almost every week um, one at least one game developer designer on, which is pretty awesome. And um, nice. but this guy is a group of I know a group of like ten people, and they've created this game exploration game that. Um, it would be impossible to explore. Like, if you tried to explore the entire game, like, you could be able to do it before our own son uh, died. Uh, is that Oh, not Dyson Newman's Land, I meant Newman's Sky. That's hilarious. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
up in the yes. sky, not on the land. But anyway, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So you know, I'm saying no man's sky, not land. But um, that content supposedly, and again, I have to look at the details because I don't really um, understand it fully. But um, it's like your your computer is kind of doing all of the content building. Like the data streams in, so you're not going to get like uh, that sort of sluggish lag time for streaming content and something in the way that you would say if you went on Second Life. So I mean, I can imagine like maybe something like that would sort of solve the problem um, of content. But I, you know, I mean, those are whole virtual worlds that are um, impossible to imagine the size of that are would will be able to be supposedly created, right? And not have any kind of lag time or issues. So I, I can imagine, um, you know, maybe something like that would be incorporated into VR. People are going to figure it out. And and also, mm-hmm. I think, also with with VR, I would imagine in the early days, people are going to be okay with quite rudimentary graphics. Actually, yeah, you know, kind maybe. of, kind of, it kind of links into our um, our general discussion that we're headed towards with animation mm-hmm. video games. <laughs> I think with things like Minecraft and mobile games being really popular nowadays, I I would probably... I, it's quite a bold thing to say. I would say that, you know, we've probably reached the peak of realist, uh, of interest in realistic graphical representation. Yeah. And... I, We're kind of... I think there's two there's two things I think going on at the same time. Right. I think there there's once the games industry is sort of two industries now mm-hmm. almost. Mm. There's there's the AAA okay. high budget games that cost millions of dollars. Sony, Microsoft, you know Nintendo, just you know the really big companies making the the big high-end AAA games, and then there's the indie. Mm. Yeah, I am. I am going like, to need my handheld as I walk through this talk because I am a filthy casual, and I <laughs> people. No, there's would... nothing wrong with being a casual gamer. <laughs> nope, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That, yeah, that is no technically kidding. still gaming. Yeah, okay. That just means you're. Yeah, that's healthy. That's healthy gaming. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't want to like. I mean, my God. So, Vaughn, you wanted to talk about um, a game you've been playing recently. Uh, yes. Wait. Yeah, um, Until Dawn. I, I checked that out. Uh, Sony Computer Entertainment. Um, super massive games. I played it on PlayStation 4 when I was a little bit um, down and out with a, with a cold. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's sort of... Dan, you were touching on some things that really... Um, I don't know. And like it was, it was like I kept thinking about this game because it's super. It's the best looking game I've played um, as far as like um, use of materials go. And um, you know, they have a lot of uh, the the people in the game are sort of um, more well known uh, actors. The girl from the blonde haired woman from Heroes. Um, Oh, right. I can't remember her name. She's always, yeah, always had, had the word Hay- expression. Hayden, Ch- Hayden Penn. I can't pronounce her last name. Yes. Her first name's Hayden. Penn. Yes. The, the cheerleader. Yes. 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 The one who had an egg for a snack. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She did that in an what? episode of Heroes. And I was just, I just, it was so weird. Who the hell That's... had an egg for a snack? <laughs> 
That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she's like the main character, so she's got her worried expression on through most of it. But anyway, um, and is it performance capture? Yes, hopefully. for sure. Yeah, it's all um, motion capture, and you know, and all of that is uh, as it usually is. I suppose it's a little bit more detailed in some ways, but um, you know, you always have this like starts and stops and stuff, and you can definitely tell it's motion capture. Um. The story itself, you know, they they talk about the butterfly effect and how you, it's um, replayable and how um, it's sort of the game changes based on your um, decisions, mm-hmm. much like Heavy heavy Rain, which I never played and I totally want to one of these days if I can ever get my hands on it. I um, had a chance or, to play that Heavy Rain, it was, and it, it is yeah, worth playing yeah. at least once. I so want to play that. Um, I, yeah, oh, I so want to play that. But like, or Indigo Prophecy is another one. Um, mm-hmm. But Jason. it was a great game. But um, but yeah. So I mean, there's an element of that. But I have to say, I mean, you know, I feel like a lot of the games that I played recently, ex- excluding the sandbox games, which I love the most. Um, but you know, all these games that are sort of linear. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, or maybe it's just that I've been spoiled. But <sighs> They do, it's almost like, and Dan, you touched on this, they are more experiences. It's at least the few that I've played, they seem like more experiences and less, like, there was always something like a puzzle or something you had to, like, figure out or, or, I don't know. To me, they seem, a lot of these games seem more like just interactive movies more, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And this game definitely has um, elements of, like, campy horror movies. But but there are some things that I, I mean, it got, it seems to have gotten really great reviews everywhere that I looked. I didn't read all the reviews, but I just, based on the star ratings and stuff, it didn't seem like there was too much negative. Um, the many people are very many negative things to say about it, but I, I didn't think that the um, storyline was all that fantastic. I mean, um, uh, one of the writers wrote that um, movie um, Wendigo or Wendigo or however you say it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. It was definitely entertaining. It was definitely a beautiful-looking game, but um, I was I felt critical of, um, of one thing in and it, it kind of hurt me a little bit, hurt my heart, because I <laughs> there were elements <laughs> where you had the um, the Wendigo or Wendigo um, bad monster characters, and the animation was just kind of shitty for those characters. Mm-hmm. So it's like you had this uh, like motion capture, and all that's fine. I have nothing against motion capture, and like I said, it was very beautiful looking, and it, it had a lot of really. And there were times when I was playing it, and I was just like, ah. Oh! Oh, you know, like run and, or doing that. It's like Simon Says thing, right? Where you're like, like X zero or X square circle right, X right. quick time right. events, quick time events. That's what those are called. Is that yeah? It's, I just mm. it's like Simon Says, <laughs> and I'm just. But I don't know. I mean, and all those are really fun and everything, and um, they definitely like add to the. But uh, it's just been done a lot before, and um, but then when you see the main characters, and it suddenly it looks like you know stop motion. And then the um, the times when the um, the the monsters are supposed to, are slowed down a little bit, and then you see like, oh yeah, well, the poses aren't even there. Like it's just A to B, and there's like nothing in between. <laughs> and it's like they, you know, they can just get away with it, I suppose. But it um, it was it just bugged me, bugged me, big time. Because you spend so much money in a game like that, and you think like, I don't know, there are just some big holes. It's the same thing that bugs me when I see a really um, high budget movie, you know. I'm just like, why wasn't well, that worked out? That's you know? that's the parallel that, unfortunately, with 
expensive games you kind of have to live with. You know, like the yeah. most expensive movie are not going to be the most interesting thing. They're going for the four quadrant audience. Mm-hmm. They they're going to be the lowest common denominator thing because they have to reach as many people as possible. Right. You know, they're going for the widest audience, so it's unfortunately probably going to the trap of being, you know, either something that you've seen before or something which you know, it doesn't have much of a voice or, do you yeah. know what I mean? It's going to have those same sort of problems. That, that It just huge, bugged huge. me. But then, I mean, you look at like The Last of Us, that, that mm-hmm. was a beautiful game. I well, mean, there's a bit of a different thing, but well, it's not, huge. It's not mm-hmm. really, what, 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 at least from my perspective, um, mm-hmm. because uh, at least from what you're saying, because I've only, I've never played this, um, the uh, Until Dawn, so I really, because you can't really understand, I'm, I'm, I'm the opinion, uh, that you really can't understand a game unless you've actually played it yourself. But you're, uh, if, if you're <laughs> it's comparing it to... you say that. It's really interesting you say that in the case of this particular game because as I understand it, it's pretty much just an interactive movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> Heavy Rain. That's how I was, because I, when I played Heavy Rain, that was more or less the experience that I got. Um, yeah, and I can't it... help but think, like, if you just watch one of those Let's Play videos of this game, whether you wouldn't just about get the, get same, the same experience. experience. Yeah, I mean, your heart rate goes up a little bit. But, you know, another thing is that there's so many different characters and you switch around from one to the next. And I had no... I mean, you have... A, there's a, You know, you take a game like, say, um, Life is Strange, and you mm-hmm. you really care about the characters and you care what happens. And, and there's no puzzles in that game either that, aren't, that don't take you more than half a second to solve, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's just really another, like, interactive movie. But you care. And, um... And, I mean, The Last of Us is way more playable as far as, like, there's more of a game. Um, there are more game elements, I think, involved. But, um, again, you care about the characters. And, and um, with Until Dawn, you kind of just, like, what's well, like, who's going to die next? Like, you kind of don't care. Like, at least I didn't. Like, I could care less. <laughs> is it because <laughs> they actually all, a... like, whiny teenagers? Like, you would get... Yeah, is it just like basically the movie equivalent of yeah. <laughs> where you kind wouldn't of. really care about those characters right. anyway? Right, so that part didn't really bother me so much. Like I, you know, I didn't mind. It was still fun. Like it was fun. It was fun. It's just that you know, again with the monster animation, I was like, oh, why? And then you know, you take a game like that and you compare it to like, oh, I played a little bit of Soma on PS4. Um, and that got really high reviews, and uh, and that's way more of like puzzle shooter okay. head game, <laughs> like horror. Tries survival. to mess with you, yeah, yeah, which is totally different deal. So I mean, that's just see the impression stuff. that I I get, and something that I've I've heard as a criticism of games for a while, pretty much, um, is that they've so. Basically, if you look at the history of video games, they started off being, you know, um, games like Pong or, you know, know, Mario Brothers. They were experiences that you could only really have as a game. Mm -hmm. And then when they Mm -hmm. graphically got a bit more sophisticated. Yeah, except for the text-based games. Don't forget those. Those are big, important. Sure, okay. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) But... Once they sort of got a bit more graphically sophisticated, mm-hmm. they started feeling like they were the um, 
you know, the uh, uh, the not as good... Poor relation. Sorry. Poor relation. Poor relation, that's exactly what I was looking for, Chris, thanks. Um, yeah, the poor relation of movies. And um, it seems like there are a few... There, I mean, there are a few games that I've played recently which really seem like a turning point away from that. And... I, I think it's an important thing for games to try to do, because the thing with like Until Dawn, and I've seen a few um, like videos on it. There isn't much about it which I think a movie couldn't do this. Right. And right. it still uses all the conventions of movies. It uses like cutting and mm-hmm. lighting in exactly the same way that movies do to right. draw your it's attention very... to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cinematic. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, I found myself almost longing for, like, older puzzle games. Like, I, you know, like, even, like, something yeah. like The Longest Journey, which um, was, or Grim Fandango. I've mentioned that game all the mm. freaking time in these podcasts. I love Grim Fandango. But, <laughs> I know, me too. Like, that one was just, like, a changer, like, game changer for me. But, um <laughs> but like I found my, and then I was just I would I would think like why am I longing for these puzzles like and some of them were goofy goofy puzzles you know what I mean like you take the duck and you right add, they might be goofy puzzles <laughs> but, but they are games and, yeah. and I think yeah. the the important thing is it's it's like you know um, sometimes you can read comics and you can tell oh this person just wants to be making movies Mm, interesting. And sometimes you read comics and you go, oh, this is a really good comic. It's not afraid or ashamed of being a comic. Mm. It doesn't want to be a movie. It's embracing and its medium. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, for me, where good video games tend to happen when they really mm-hmm. embrace all the conventions and the apparent limitations of video games. When they successfully tell an, or create an experience or tell a story through using that medium's, uh, like, specialty, like, ways of telling that story through gameplay, through interactions, through uh, player yeah. choice, and so on and sure. so forth, as sure. opposed to having cutscene after cutscene after cutscene telling you the story that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Because once you pl- cause when you're experiencing it through, through gameplay, it becomes much more personal. Ah, right. right. And that's where something like this war of mine is freaking fantastic. This like, war of mine is phenomenal. Amazing game because it, it does just that. And that's what, like, that I mentioned Prison Architect uh, when we started the podcast. That has similar kind of quality. Like, it gets in your head because you're playing the game, you're moving these little characters around in this sort of, like, um, third-person architectural view. Um, it, it's um, supplemented them. <laughs> they have cutscenes with the little ball characters, <laughs> like, little round, little bulby things, and then it's uh, accentuated with these... Uh, the story is emotionally accentuated, punctuated, let's say, by um, these graphic uh, drawings <laughs> to mm-hmm. kind of like pull you in and give it more of emotional value, I suppose, um, and voice acting and stuff. But um, but yeah, the thing that gets in your head is and it, it kind of slips in through the side door where you're like playing this game, constructing prisons, going, what the hell am I doing? Like mm-hmm. people are supposed <laughs> to live in these small quarters. Like this is horrendous. Like what a horrible idea this is. Oh wait, this is actually what's happening in the United States. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> same same idea with this war of mine, and mm-hmm. even to a more uh, also interesting is another video game I played uh, way, uh, a couple a while back. It was um, called Papers, Please. I'm not sure if any of you've heard of it. Ooh. I I Ooh. love that game. I've heard I've of it. it that's another yeah. one of those games where it's it's basically you know it's sending a message and also telling us someone something of a story through gameplay and I think that that's a really powerful thing that uh, it, you it, know it's all yeah it's yeah. all centered around the decisions that you're forced to make mm-hmm. when you're in the situation where right. you're either up against the time you're you're either up against the clock or you're being you have supervisors and you're being mm. pressured into doing certain things. And I think actually, you know, what you were saying earlier about empathy, Yvonne, mm-hmm. kind of comes into it then, where you kind of, you start to play around with empathy in a way in which you you can't so much with movies or with, even with um, like novels, because not you're anymore. Right. observing, you know, you're, you're not an observer, you are the doer. You, and I, and, and for me, I always go back to like, just because it's the, it's the easiest thing for me to understand, I, I think what you know, like Tetris has a narrative, <laughs> and and you're kind of you are the, the entity, you know, you are the Tetris master of of the thing deciding. Okay, I'm going to turn the block then, or I'm going to turn it now, or I'm going to. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think even something like that, kind of. Um, encapsulates everything that games can do. Um, do you think we're living in a society today that is going to need video games to teach us empathy <laughs> in the wake of um, YouTube comments and and violence via Facebook? And <laughs> I wouldn't say well, I think... it would be yeah, it'd be too far off from you know. Or that'd be that'd be I'd be at least seeing some interested seeing something like that. Interesting. <laughs> Um, tying into, uh, to the schedule, like, you know, versus, like, cinematic video games mm-hmm. and turning versus, um, you know, telling a story through gameplay, would it be, um, because, you know, video games have various, you know, genres, you know, you've got your science fiction, you, you know, like, just, like, kind of like movies, but they, um, you know, it, they are definitely tailored to different play styles, like, first person, um, mm-hmm. versus, um, RPGs, versus platformers, versus, you know... What, whatever, what have you. Um, would you, would any of you think that, um, particular animation styles in video games, like say sprites or, you know, high definition, you know, very realistic looking graphics, mm-hmm. would you say that maybe that certain animation types are better suited for game, like particular gameplay or, uh, uh, telling a certain story for different, like for different genres. Like I would say, like at least with my experience with uh, um, RPGs or specifically JRPGs, I found that like sprite a- uh, animated, or at least like you know, kind of a bit more uh, yeah. smaller yeah. focus for JRPGs mm-hmm. are a lot more fun and effective than say like the big budget. I you was going to say three exactly D. Mm-hmm. I completely, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it has something to do with, in those sorts of games, the items that you have and the turn-based strategy is kind of more important than the world that you're really walking through. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, the landscape. It's about 
just finding things that click together and, oh, I'm collecting mana points and, you know, leveling, leveling up by using turn-based. I mean, I was thinking actually about this earlier today in relation to the most popular RPG Pokemon. I mean, you could probably... Ah, uh, yes, Pokemon. I remember for years and years, they didn't even have animation for the attacks. Um, no, yeah. There were no, there were no idle animations for the, for the, for the Pokemon. They were just still images. Mm-hmm. And, and yet you were so invested in what was happening because yeah. it wasn't relying on the animation for, um, for the tension, you know, in the no, game. It yeah. was relying on the nature of the game. It was relying on. Um, I think you know, so that, I think that, um, a lot of that though has to do with what's readily available too, too, because then if you take the, if you take a look at, um, mm-hmm. and I mentioned this before, but like the World of Warcraft, um, pet fighting <laughs> little yeah. mini games is sort of a similar type thing. It's probably yeah. almost directly copying <laughs> that mm-hmm. exact thing where it's like a turn based game based on, um, uh, talents and points and, um, you know, ranking and all of that stuff. Um, it's super effective. And, okay. um, but that's, you know, the thing with that is, you know, you have like Blizzard <laughs> who does extremely, like, amazing animation. And, um, they're yeah. all, that's all, it's all, the whole world's already set up. So they're, they're just doing like, it's like a mini game taking all of those aspects and then just kind of applying them to something that they're already doing hey, well. Hey, Evan, Evan, yes? Evan. I don't think you realise the great joke that you... Oh, I didn't. What did I do? That's <laughs> it. Well, you said about it being super effective. Oh. That's, that's like a Pokemon I thing. Yes, you fainted. Oh! It was amazing. Oh. You, did, I had you no had no idea. idea. I didn't catch that. <laughs> no. It's just, you happened to use that phrase, that exact phrase, <laughs> and that's a Pokemon thing. That was, was amazing. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah, it, <laughs> Yeah, if it was intent, we, we, should we, it was an intent, it was intent. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Just so the listeners at home know, that was completely intentional. Totally. That was amazing. But hey, uh, hey, what, what, what about this? So, um, are people familiar with, uh, Scott McCloud's, um, sort of chart of abstraction and projection? So Scott McCloud, who who wrote Understanding Comics, um, he it's 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 been described elsewhere, but he's always my go-to for describing this phenomena. Basically, if you have a smiley face, that represents more people than a realistically rendered image. So, Mm -hmm. considering characters in he uses the example of comics. If you have, you know, a very realistically rendered um, uh, drawing of a, of a, you know, of a middle-aged white guy with with black hair, and you know it, that that image only represents so many people. You know, it look it could look similar. It could look like your uncle. It could look like your friend, but it doesn't. It's kind of you know, it stops at representing I don't know women or children. I'll, I'll tell you what that plays into. Mm-hmm. When you hear when you hear people say, West, you hear Western people say, 
oh, why do the characters in anime look white? <laughs> yeah, they they yeah, don't. You you're just they just don't. You're projecting. They don't look like anything. They don't look like real people. You're yeah. projecting. Japanese people don't watch it. Oh, why are all the characters in our anime white? <laughs> they don't see it. But like yeah. you know, it, in it, but then at the other end of the scale, you have Charlie Brown, who is mm-hmm. popular because so many people go, "Oh, that's me." Yeah, I'm a small boy. <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of self-image like, problems. You know, this is the thing. You know, you can project onto him a lot more easily than you can, say, um, Archer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can so also, in, in, yeah. In relation to video games, when you look at that, when so when you apply that to Pokemon and World of Warcraft, Pokemon is kind of you could say that's just as immersive. In a really abstract way, because no, nobody is just a head with like feet poking out and a hat, and mm-hmm. you know, and then when they're riding a bike, it just looks like they've got wheels coming out of them, and <laughs> all the houses are from isometric angles. And when you walk into a house, it's like a TARDIS, and it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. <laughs> you, it, it's, it's not, it's that's that's involving because it's the idea of going into a house and it's kind of like reading a book where you're not really dealing with the experience of you know walking inside a house in a book it's an abstraction Mm -hmm. so i think that's probably why those games still work and they're not completely laughable because on some level we understand that the abstract the abstract forms are kind of describing something well, they're archetypes. They're archetypes that yeah that are are relatable. Yeah. That, so yeah, I I, I think that's, sure. that's that's why, as video games have, you know, um, uh, developed and um, gone really sophisticated with graphical representation, people still play games which have. Um, you know, comparatively rudimentary graphics. Yeah, I, I mentioned this because I actually I'm in the middle of playing one of those or one of those like older games, uh, and I'm actually really close to finishing it. It's um, called uh, it's a little uh, it was a Konami developed game called uh, it was part of a series called Suikoden. Uh, I'm in the middle of playing the sequel, which was uh, it was I believe is supposed to be one of the better rated, uh, at least in general, like, a lot of people who've played it really like this game. And, um, and one of the things that I noticed, I mean, it definitely had more, like, various, like, character animations than its predecessor, which had little to none. Like, it would say you had a moment where, um, you know, you enter a scene and you'll have a character react to your presence and then you'll have this little animation as, you know, as you're having the conversation or the dialogues passing by. And I'm finding myself, like, on top of that and the rest of the gameplay, I'm finding myself getting much more emotionally invested in this story and these characters with just this, you know, the gameplay and the animation versus something, you know, like, say, Final Fantasy XIII. Mm. Right. I mean, except Mm. that, I mean, one interesting thing is that, yeah, you can take, like, these simpler graphics and project things upon them, right, and and Mm -hmm. relate to them. And basically, you're using your imagination the same way, right, the best graphics card in the whole 
whole world, even still, like, <laughs> in your, like your brain, right? So it's like reading the book or sort of um, projecting nice. upon these simpler graphics. But I mean, I would also argue that um, like first person perspective does the same kind of thing. Like, like yeah. Fallout, Fallout, which I can't freaking wait for, um, which is supposed to be released next month. I am um, so excited for that too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's, you get completely immersed, and part of the reason is that you only see, like, an arm, you know, or, or, or well, at least when I play it, I play it first person perspective, right. like, you know what I mean? So it's just, like, me and the camera. Oh, they, they, they yeah, one, they, but... they, they understand this stuff. I, I, I think that's why Portal is so popular, mm. because yes. the main character doesn't speak. And you know that goes that goes back to like Zel- that's I was, I was about I was about to bring up like um Zelda oh, yeah. like the cat, Link. like even even to this point Link doesn't mm. speak and also you can rename Link and you can name the horse <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. so that's that's yeah. like giving the giving you an extra layer of oh, that's huge. Suikoden did yeah. that too. Suikoden did that too. Every most mm. every single main mm. character in, in uh, the Suikoden series, as far as I know, you could name them anything you wanted. Well. I mean, they had like manga adaptations later where they did give the characters actual names, and those are considered the canon names. But as part of the interactive experience, you could literally name them anything you wanted. And while the dialogue choices were limited, there was you know the only time your character got to talk is when you had a little dialogue bubble would pop up and you would select what you wanted the character to say or a choice that you wanted them to make. It's it's kind of the thing that, um, you know, certain filmmakers say where they say, oh, you know, the film isn't complete until the audience watches it. And they fill in the gaps for themselves. Mm -hmm. You used to get that with RPGs where before voice acting, yeah, you would have to kind of create the character a little bit. It was it was it was it was created in as much as there was you know a representation of this person of of, of of a character, and their dialogue was written in a certain way to convey the character. But the fact that there wasn't a voice actor had its own special thing going on, where you were. Involved in a way that you weren't just passively, mm-hmm. um, you know, listening to someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, speaking of yeah, jeez, talk about being like. <laughs> I was just thinking, I, you know, I can't wait until we have the VR goggle. Which, by the way, I'm totally buying those HTC Valve, the Valve version of. <laughs> oh wow! As yeah. soon as it's available, yeah. but um, to be to what play like Fallout Four? That's I mean, insane. talk about an immersive experience. I mean, the mm-hmm. content that's generated like it's all automatically an open world, and you're already like moving around in sandbox mode. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can move anywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much in the game. Like it seems like it's. Those kind of games are sort of set up for that already. Like, I'm not even sure what the limitations would be, right? Yeah, it's there. It, it's part of the thing with this. Uh, uh, like you said, developing medium like this is there's always going to be something new and a new way that a developer can push. Uh, you know, the boundaries of what you know the medium's been capable of until now. Yeah, but I mean, you sort of already do that. It's just the difference is that you're limited by one screen. I mean, apart from loading times i mean maybe that's the big 
factor is just loading and processing content at a certain speed so that you can, but you're already able to look around. Right? Yeah. 360 degrees within yep. the, within the uh, video game environment. Mm-hmm. And you're already um, in sort of first in a perspective where, you know, you have, I mean, I guess the controllers would have to be updated. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Because you can't look at the controller. Well, I mean, you <laughs> wouldn't necessarily have to look at the controller, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you sometimes wind up doing it with, like, with more complicated games. Um, yeah. And even, even people who are learning to play, you know, video games, you know, early on, like, they're still, you know, they'll, they'll need reference points when it comes mm-hmm. to, like, having, you know, knowing how to do what the game needs you to do when it needs you to do it. Sometimes. You can't really do that wearing goggles necessarily, but yeah, you know, that's the only thing I could think of that would be a, the limitation. Besides, maybe like I said, like the you know graphics being um, streaming or content maybe having to be created faster. What were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say that um, Sony uh, doing doing their yeah. own VR PlayStation oh, that's VR, right. didn't they? Yeah. Um, so that's obviously going to be more pushing that. That in the games mm-hmm. area. Yeah, I mean the, the yeah. Yeah. I, I, from what I Steam one just got it. really good reviews. That's why I'm yeah, like, that's sort of the, leaning towards one that I'm, one. That people seem most excited about, and mm-hmm. the one that also there has been the most creative sense of developing uh, a creative tool is 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 the Valve one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning towards that. And then Facebook will, will be taking over. <laughs> Facebook and Oculus are married, I guess. I don't know. And they what Facebook are going to get out of that. Oh, we'll be in each other's living rooms. I think that's what's going to be happening. And sex day. You, you can poke people <laughs> in 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 three dimensions. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. People can right. go poke, poke. <laughs> God. And people, and people, ha- and Facebook will have even more blackmail material. Yeah, <laughs> as people yeah. are having virtual sex. Then there will another. be no privacy. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you know, there's this whole other thing that I saw just to add on to it, which is mind blowing, and that's um at um I went to an event that was um in part sponsored by uh, Seagraph, and I was talking to a guy from there and, and um, he touched on some of the recent conferences he had some videos or whatever examples of new technology that was going on I think it was like Seagraph Japan I can't remember the name of the actual event but um, they're using um, one of the tests they were doing was with um, uh, uh, shoot uh, um, I want to say sonogram that can't be right is it no the What's the name of it? The, what bats use? <laughs> sonar? Sonar. So, what, so they're using these um, sonar waves to create um, the feel of, of an object that doesn't exist in space. <laughs> so someone would have an object. Oh I know, right? How does okay. that go with the virtual reality? It, okay. Like immediately, exactly. You know what I mean? So someone has an object, puts it in one box, and the next box, um, there's a camera that views where that object is, and then those waves are created like around it, and the other person puts their hand in the other box, and they feel and can push away the object. Huh. So that, I mean, of course, that goes together directly with the virtual reality experience. <laughs> Is that crazy? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. We're so desperate. Like, not to get to whatever, but we're so desperate to like recreate human interactions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you take the village away. <laughs> we're all like, floating around <laughs> in our little brain, in our little bubbles, and we're like desperately want human interaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why the porn industry always leads the way in everything. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's our deep need for human uh, contact. Sad. So sad. <laughs> uh, at least we have storytelling. <laughs> yep, storytelling. We're not being more about it. Um. Speaking of which, I've I've really got into like ah uh, yes, um, those are awesome. <laughs> I uh, the first one I discovered was yes, The Walking Dead, so one, good, uh, which which is brutal <laughs> on is. so it many really levels. Is. It's yeah. just the whole the whole thing where you just have to make decisions, oh. like and they they give you those decisions where save this person or <laughs> save that person. There isn't. There, you know, you you have to make a call that, and you just have to make the call mm-hmm. right there. You can't pause like, it. <laughs> no, they will make it for you. And then, and I also followed it up with the. the that Wolf was Among my personal Us. favorite. Really? Hmm. Yeah, that was. I liked that as well. Um, I know I've I've been playing the Game of Thrones. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, so have I. Um, I'm yeah. on episode five. Yeah. I always yeah five because there's going to be six in total. So I think I'm on, on yeah I'm on five right now. Yeah, I just recently finished three. I'm a bit behind. I was like, oh yeah, I've got. You don't try not to spoil anything. They're all out there. I didn't care yeah. for the artwork in that game. Oh jeez, I just scared myself. <laughs> a cord fell down on my head, and I was like, there's nothing climbing on me. Um, <laughs> that's really scary. Um, anyway, um, I I didn't care for the uh, the. So, look of the Game of Thrones um, game and it sort of it bugged me enough that um, I couldn't really get through it and I the Wolf Among Us oh, like wow. I don't know why but that one just bugged me like the writing bugged me I mean I'm going to give them another chance though because I loved the Walking Dead games I mean they just slayed me mm-hmm. like I've yeah the I, one, they but... love I love those but and so I was maybe my um, I don't know I guess I was maybe expecting more or something. I don't. I just couldn't get into those other two. Um, but I have them, so maybe I'll give another shot since you guys really, really. Yeah, the um, Wolf Among Us is since it was you know I don't, you probably know it's it's based off um the Fables comic. That it, I think it was the the game was definitely trying to go for more of the style of the comic. I think, mm-hmm. and you know just how the way it was looked and presented, and uh, even the gameplay was yeah. more of just kind of aligned with like with that particular story that the comic created. And I just, I'm, I'm a big fairy tale person. So when I get to see this like really interesting take on all these different fairy tale characters that we already know that, yeah. you know, I've grown up with and it's, I just really fascinated me to no end. And I just really wanted to see what was going to happen next and how much more of this world or this new, like, like setting that these fairy tales had to adapt to. Yeah, how that, well, they were going to yeah. handle that next. I definitely got that part. I just, I don't know what it was. It just didn't really connect. I mean, because, I mean, I, I, I'm I with you. I mean, I, I definitely thought the concept was cool, really cool, 
but um I, it just it lost me i was just i don't i was just like i wanted more i felt there was something lacking and then um i don't know why i was so picky with those two i guess it's just because i like the um walking dead um probably so much Some, you know that, that's what i'm guessing but mm. just i i think pretty much across the board everyone ranks the walking dead as the top the top one they've done i think but i you know when i i'm ha- i want to play more mm-hmm. of those games in different different universes yeah. or whatever because um the game of thrones one uh yeah. i've read the book watched the well watched the tv series and so it's interesting to get you get a different mm-hmm. perspective it's it's obviously more inspired by the TV series right. than the books. So they got the actors and everything. They got the TV series actors. Yeah. yeah. I was I was a bit worried when I heard about that game because right. I thought mm-hmm. accents, accents, because as amusing as <laughs> some American versions of British accents can be, I I did you know I thought. It could be a bit right. painful. <laughs> and... well, Peter Dinklage doesn't even try. He just does like standard stage speak. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about 90, I think about like 90, 95% of the accents are actually, oh, that's, that's perfectly decent. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> There's the odd one where I go, uh, <laughs> what? Is that supposed to be Australian? <laughs> but... <laughs> G'day, mate! <laughs> What was the thing we Chris were we watching something last week where there was a dodgy accent and it was a were we talking about something last week how to train your dragon Uh, with dodgy accents no you can cut this part out I'm just (laughs) there was something that I was watching this week where there was a there was a cast and like some people were English and there was like one person in the middle who was doing a a hokey like English accent. Mm, I can't think of it. Wow, what a boring thing to bring up. So, I haven't actually seen... (laughs) I haven't actually played these games. um, Actually, any of these Telltale Mm -hmm. games. Do they all use motion capture? Not really. I'm, um... At least not... They haven't gotten to that point yet, but it's more of like, um... No, it's motion capture. You sure? Yeah, yeah. It's motion capture. It's motion capture and, and CG... It's like a tune. They do like maybe not so much. I can't actually remember with the um, Wolf Among Us. I think that's more like flat two D um, puppet like, animation. Like yeah, that's it. Looked more like cell shading yeah. animation to me. But it's motion still capture. yeah. But that's still motion capture. It's still CG. It's just a material that's added after to the models. Uh, okay, gotcha. To make it look like it's more hand drawn. Um, mm, it's what we were talking about before. Walking Dan. Dead looks different. Right. But it's still, I mean, some of it's, I think some of it's animated. I'm not sure how much motion, but I think some of it might be motion capture. Well, there's some a lot of it might be still done on mm-hmm. motion capture. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that raw data, you can't just use it or it <laughs> it flickers around and the feet um, generally aren't planted. And there's a whole, you have to do like two or three passes on anything that you get. Um, the feet, at least my um, experience. I was watching some yeah. <laughs> stuff. And it was like watching a thing, like an N64 game, with like people walking into objects and their feet just sliding. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get that when you were playing that much? Um, for which for which game? Uh, Until dawn. Oh. Uh, you know, I didn't really notice that. Usually, 
like games like um, Max Payne, like the newer Max Payne games. Yeah. have a lot of that stuff that just bugs the mm. crap out of me. And even um, Bioshock Infinite, I was like, all the characters' shoulders are really slumped. So what intrigues me about the Telltale games is they're kind of stylized in the way they that are. Yeah. they're kind of embracing what games can do. They're not trying to, you know, be photorealistic representations right. Right. of mm-hmm. the people they're depicting. Um, they're trying to represent the comics, though. Right. That's what's that's what's quite interesting. Like the um, I think I think that's part of the thing in that the the uh, Walking Dead one is obviously based right. on the comics, but the great Game of Thrones one is based on the TV show, so it's trying mm-hmm. to look like realistic more than the um, right. than Walking Dead's trying to look trying to recreate the comics, not the TV mm-hmm. show. Yeah, so it it's. It's more effective at doing that than the Game of Thrones game is at recreating. And, and this yeah. is where I, mean, I, I want to go back I mean, I to, think, like, yeah. to the point I made about levels of abstraction mm-hmm. at the point at mm-hmm. which you really get invested in things. You know, it's why animation works. It's because it's dealing with abstract representations of people and of ideas. And you can get invested in things in a sort of indirect way, rather than being presented with like a L.A. noir, you know. Uncanny yeah. Valley. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. And also it's about mood, though, too. I mean, I I know that if I... <laughs> like, if I play um, some game that I was, like, super involved with and, um, and spent many, many hours playing, and I got, you know, really into the graphic style and all of that, and then you go pick up and play something else, and you just get disappointed because you sort of miss that <laughs> other land and environment, and I think that's what happened with the Game of Thrones game. I was just like, I can't deal with this style. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> deal with these simplistic materials or whatever, you know, and I think seriously it was like, or, you know, I'm longing for this more, like, abstract thing. It's funny. I mean, um, you know, I bet if I picked it up again, I, you know, might have a whole nother take on it, which is interesting, you know, because we just have so much choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, look, I'm just looking at the Game of Thrones one now. They've done a pretty interesting job with taking. They're obviously going for like recreating the look of the TV show. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. they're pushing the expressions in a way which motion capture would not allow, and it seems like they kind of understand to make an exaggerated version of the, of the yeah, film. Yeah, I mean it's it's not great though. It's actors. not great. Like it's right. kind of clunky. Like I mean, in the same it? way. Yeah, I mean in the same way that the, the Walking mm-hmm. Dead has its moments where it's like. Well, you know, you just sort of forgive it because the writing and the gameplay and the voice acting is so good, you know, and even was... It's the thing, it's all about mm-hmm. the story. Exactly. This is exactly. what these are. These are story exactly. games. Yeah, and it, so. it's sort of, it's, it's what we talked about before, like, when you're playing a game and you become so immersed and, like, emotionally invested, um, it has to do with gameplay and story, you know, and voiceover, and voice acting is super important, too, I think. Only for more, like, for modern games, I think. Because even, like, a lot of, like, the earlier, like, I guess mentioned back to those RPGs, like, even those were, like, before Mm. 
there was any real voice acting. There was still plenty of opportunity to get in, um, invested because even though there was no voice, that was what the, um, you know, that's why the soundtracks for a lot of those earlier games were, you know, highly regarded, at least even today among, um, you know, video game fans because without the voice, since there were no voices, that gave more room for a soundtrack or a musical score to add, you know, give the scene or a moment or event, like, emotion. So it was just, it was it was still all there. It was just, there was a different way of doing it. And and there are, there are classic video game sounds like the sped up Mario music, um, or, yeah. or, or or the um, uh, the ex- exclamation what? mark. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> if I hear that, or the Mario thing, I, I just get anxiety in my stomach. You or know, the. Uh... Or the drowning sound in Sonic the Hedgehog. You instantly feel fear. Like, oh, crap. You could just play those. They would be pretty dangerous alarms to have because I would wake up. I had a Metal Gear Solid ringtone for quite a long time. It was the... It was the it was like, oh yeah, it was like the game over music. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, I did as well. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talking about Metal Gear Solid really quick is what I thought was so made at least the original that made it so freaking special was you know like you said the the writing and the dialogue. I mean even you know like if you're really looking at it, I mean you can still see some parts are like really kind of hokey or really cheesy, but. One of the things that make that makes me forgive it is because of the fact that it kind of even like with the long cinematic cutscenes and you know interactive with you know interspersed between the actual gameplay, it's kind of like recreating like a really classic like spy action film. And you can notice mm-hmm. that like, through yeah. a lot of the different shots and angles that they do in the in the cutscenes, and you know it just kind of really creates that feel. So whenever I want to like a give an example, like if you want to recreate like something of a of that particular kind of genre of film in a video game, that game did it perfectly, and and while having its own like video game spin on it. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid's definitely um, the first two. Definitely, like those are. If you are ask me, like the iconic experiences that I've had playing games mm. that like. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. was one same for me too. It, they same were right up too. there. They were right up there. <laughs> It's like it's like that, you know, Super Mario World, Metal Gear Solid, the Metal Gear Solid Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, two uh, Raiders, the first one when the um when when the when the T Rex oh god comes out, they're like the they're like the most iconic uh, Resident Evil Two. Mm. These things just they're just um seared mm-hmm. in your brain, and totally I think. And as we've been talking about animation and the animate well that was the idea um <laughs> the animation in games i can't talk like recent stuff i can't uh, miss the opportunity to talk about how amazing the animation is like in the recent nintendo games like the um super mario oh. 3d oh, world yeah. and Mar- mario kart yeah. 8 they've just That's they're like gorgeous. just the best interactive cartoons yep. you've ever seen they're yeah. just they've got so much charm and it's like uh, why weren't you making HD games earlier? They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, 
I wish, like, yeah, I really wish I could play um, Mario Galaxy. In HD. Oh yeah, yeah. But you're oh, right; they, they they do look gorgeous, they... and uh, it seems like you know, really, if you're talk if you're talking about like the cutting edge of of um, animation, it's in video games now. It's not in movies or mm-hmm. or anything else. It's it's in video games because uh, you know years before um, movies got into motion capture, video games were on it. And um, they were pioneering mm-hmm. it, you know, while exactly. they, they were the pioneers of that. Exactly. And the same applies to um higher frame rates. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um mm-hmm. as well. So they animation really has evolved with video games and vice versa, I think. Yeah. It really has. And also, sort of in yes. the indie scene, it's it's like 2D's when people you know they say oh I miss 2D animation in movies or whatever there's a lot of beautiful 2D animation oh yeah for sure well Mm -hmm. even like um Don't Starve uh, oh love Don't Starve I don't think I've played that Don't Don't Starve it's It's a a survival game really Mm-hmm. That you can't win, but you can't stop playing. And the, and, yeah. and the, <laughs> turkeys are jerks. I'm just gonna say that right now. It's, you know what I'm like talking about. Horrible. Here, <laughs> yes, it's it's just a horrible, pointless endeavor, and you can't stop once you start. But the animation, how great is the animation in that game? It is, mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. For like, it's like said for a 2D oh. style. Mm-hmm. It's all and 2D. Also, also phenomenal 2D style. I don't know if anyone's like I forget what the I, I'm kicking myself that I can't remember the company name uh, who developed these games, but it's a Japanese company. Um, developed these beautifully hand drawn uh, 2D animated games. Um, Odin Sphere and uh, oh. let me let me let me look it up. Uh, I don't know this. It, Odin is in Odin is in you know the O D I at the Anthony Hopkins. Not Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> it was a. Um, it was kind of like an action RPG. At least it's Odin Sphere was, and at least a couple other games. That, I've heard the name. Uh, Vanillaware is the name of the uh, developer. Ah. And uh, is this? If, I, I, if you have the opportunity to look up any of anything out of Vanillaware, I highly recommend it. Like um, Odin Sphere was the one game that I played. And yeah, um, for, for me, the um, the most significant uh, 2D animation for me in video games was um, the Guilty Gear series. Oh, Guilty Gear, oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that. I was just blown away when I, I, I saw that. And it was like, oh my god, it's it's beautiful, detailed 2D animation with with a fighting game. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Guilty Gear, yeah, um, what is that? Terrible at those games, but. <laughs> Blaze Blue is another one. That's more of a visual, like a fighting game combined Blaze with the Blue visual was the same novel. Company, I think. Yeah, I think so. And then there's there's games that do stop motion as well. There's a new one called Amicrog. Oh. Amicrog which is, a, I think it was a, a Kickstarter oh, right. one, and it's like. 
I think it's the co-creator. Oh, it was. Um, oh my god! Uh, yes. Yes, it was. It was based on. Um, oh my goodness! There was a, the Neverhood uh, uh, Chronicle. Or no, it's just oh. called the Neverhood. Did you ever yeah. play that? Don't think so. It was like no, it was like a mid nineties game that used stop motion. It was like a it was a oh. point. It was like a click. Yeah, I never played that. Game. And have you seen the, the Wii U game, um, Yoshi's Woolly World, where everything looks like it's knitted? It's oh, cool. and, yeah. Kirby, Kirby's Epic Yarn. That looks so cute. Yeah. They've done they've done some really interesting experimental games with graphics yeah. like that in Nintendo That's really recently. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, you just... just uh, <laughs> this is not related to anything. It's just, I just want to get this thought out there and I wondered if it's really cliche but I still seriously feel this way um when it comes to graphics and and pushing video games and making uh, okay so in in the case of Pixar you know um John Lasseter always says that they're in the they're, they're, they're about making worlds which are not necessarily realistic but are believable and are involving and immersive. Um, and for me, that really is is um, is seen uh, in Ico or Ico, oh, uh, God, the yes. Shadow of the Colossus. Oh yeah. Because those games really understood the idea of creating an impression of the world. The textures were all in favor of creating a. It were all um, in favor. They were all um, about like creating a stylized experience, mm-hmm. not something that was necessarily realistic. But through creating, you know, uh, 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 images that sort of evoke painting a little bit more than photographs, I think those games really hold up. Um, and, yeah, graphic. and there's still yeah, and I mean there were games like I mean look at something like Limbo, or even like The Binding mm. of Isaac, which is mm. more like sort of but pixel art. But it <laughs> that plus the video game writing plus the fact that I mean The Binding of Isaac. Do you guys know anything about that one? Like basically What's about that a little The Binding of Isaac. Not really. Um, mm-hmm. It's a about a I've little boy's like locked in the basement by his um super um yeah he uses tears he shoots tears at these monsters that I mean yeah okay <laughs> I mean, it looks this... like a new grounds cartoon <laughs> yeah it's like this super I mean talk about super stylized but it also is kind of emotionally effective as you're playing this little shooter. <laughs> It was game. another game that was very like kind of stylized, kind of like that. Um, what was this? Uh, a game I played like a last year on Steam. It was called uh, what was it? Ah, oh, was the title? Uh, Valiant Hearts: uh, The Great War. It was a, a video game about oh, World War One. I, uh, I didn't play that. World War One. It was it was kind of like a puzzle oh. platformer kind of thing. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah, it was it, it did have a kind of distinct kind of cartoonish style, and I mean. When the characters talked, 
you didn't really understand what they were saying because they, they kind of spoke in like a dribbish of the, like, the language that they were supposed to be speaking. But you still, you know, you got invested because, you know, the heart, you know, the heart of the story and like everything that, you know, you were doing with the characters, you, you, they, the game did its job in getting you emotionally invested in it and getting, you know, right. wanting, making you want to play till the end. Mm-hmm. And it, it points to what you were saying, Dan, about how you know, basically that these sort of stylized worlds that um, prop up story and and um, you know lend themselves to a, like full around experience, more rounded experience, mm-hmm. as opposed to just yeah. trying to be something that, that right. you know trying to be something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that sounds like <laughs> a good place for us to say. That that's the end of our conversation to today. It's been a bit, bit. It's been a bit rambling. I was just wait, waiting for a, a place I can oh jump God. in. Oh God! Sorry. <laughs> pause. Pause until okay. next week. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's an awful lot to talk about in the game <laughs> scene. We we've barely scratched the surface, and we will t- come back to games definitely. Sure. So. We hope we hope you enjoyed our conversation about games, and we will we will definitely return to it. But that brings us to a close before we hit three hours, nearly. <laughs> um, so it's time for us to say goodnight and thank you for listening. Um, it, you can keep up with everything on animationfredox.com. And you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on AFA blog, and also on Tumblr and Pinterest and Google Plus. And you can follow me at Mr. Crystal, and it's the same on Facebook. And you can find Dan at Hamu on uh, Twitter. And at Fail to Ninja. And I'm on Twitter at Eisner underscore Inc. And also, um, if you are in the New York City area, please pop by uh, to the Animation Nights New York screening on October 14th, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Fulton Stall Market, <laughs> and submit your short films or encourage people to submit their short films to animationnights.nyc. Cool. And if there are any. Um games that pop up in the adverts below this post that you fancy buying then help yourself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so uh, yes thanks for listening and we will catch you soon and game (laughs) over I guess snake 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 good night bye Okay, and also... (laughs) Did you guys hear that? I was just pouring a cup of coffee, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Second blooper! Trying to do it quietly. (laughs) That's great. Sorry about that. I was like, I'll just silently get myself a cup of coffee here. Mm, (laughs) That was being so cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs>